Aloha! Welcome to episode 17 of Cutting a Close with Cliff Bailey. I am, as always, Cliff Bailey. This episode... Today we're talking to Chrissy Reagan. She is a very interesting person. We met through Facebook, actually, through a number of mutual filmmaking friends. Finally met... Uh, for the first time standing in line for an event uh, with Liquid Studios a couple weeks ago and then we're not able to track each other down to continue our conversation but uh, I did see if she would be interested in appearing on the podcast and she said sure so yay this is kind of a long one so buckle in Um, I, I do talk a lot because she asked me some questions and she said she didn't want it to be one-sided. I'm like, well, it wouldn't be one-sided, but that's kind of the point of a podcast anyway with a guest. But it's all good. At least I hope it's good. I hope you like it. Uh, we do get... Uh, in, I do like to include a spiritual component in this because it is has been such a significant portion of my life. And we do get more into that as um, we're on similar paths... Uh, when I say I'm, uh, hmm, but different, similar, but different. I started out growing up in the church. She did not. And so our experiences are kind of inverted, I guess, where I've had the, the deconstruction event. She is not. And I, I was inclined to say further along the path, but that is not accurate because I don't feel like there's a way really to measure that. There certainly is no point in comparing um, where one is along a certain path to another person, at least in in this situation, in this kind of context. Nevertheless, it was really good talking to her. I do hope to have her on again. She is, in addition to just, uh, in addition to being an actress, she is also working on some of her own films. And uh, you hear her, he'll, you'll hear her talking about that. Yeah, she's going on 10 o'clock. I'm sleepy. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. If you dig what we do here on the podcast, please consider uh, supporting us at patreon.com slash phazonmedia. That's uh, patreon, patreon.com slash P-H-A-Z-O-N-M-E-D-I-A. $2 or more will get you early access to the episodes. $5 or more will get you access to some special behind-the-scenes content of each episode. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> that's pretty much it. Please enjoy the conversation with Chrissy Reagan. Extra work, you, know. yeah. you came from military, right? I did, yes. What did you do? I was an MC. Uh... Like a DJ? No. Quite, I wish. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and put the headphones on if you okay, want. Okay, sure. Let's see. Oh, I should save, this, save the questions for when we're starting, huh? Oh, no, we're, uh, we're already rolling. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Oh, I see it, though. Oh, there we go. Probably because I messed up. Oh, things just loose. Okay, there we go. Cool. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Hello, hello, hello. Should I be like this close? Uh, as close as you need. Okay. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, don't want you to feel uncomfortable, of course. Um, yeah, so what I did in the Navy, uh, MC is, um, what is it? I totally forgotten. Oh, mass communication specialist. Yeah. Oh. So that involves um, 
What does that involve? Here, right? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, that involves um, journalism, public affairs, photojournalism, video production, audio production, all that good stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was your favorite thing to do there? Um, well, we, we only really got into all that stuff when I was in A school. So right after you do boot camp, then you go to A school. Uh, MCA school is about six months. Uh, first three months are with the other branches. The second three months are just with the Navy. And my favorite part of that, I think, you know, I don't know. Because it's also different. Um, I learned a lot about myself uh, in my writing. I was going into it. I've uh, been told I was a good writer. And so I was shocked when I started, like, failing like my first couple um, headline writing lessons and stuff but luckily I had a, a very good instructor and she took me under her wing and showed me how to do it but um, shucks did you ever get to interview any cool people um, well, I didn't really do too much of that in a school once I got out here though I think well actually getting into photography because the first time I ever really got into photography I never really done it before and I don't think I would have been able to hack it with a film camera um, so we were trained on digital cameras and um, how, how to do all the um, adjustments and, and whatnot in Photoshop and how to get as much done in camera, you know, so you don't have to process as much outside of it. So I guess that would be my favorite part because um, the thing I was attached to, uh, Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, um, first time I've ever been to an Eastern country and uh, anything other than a Western country, really. Um, and just being able to photograph the mission, um, the the dig sites, and then doing the forensic photography along with that was really cool. Yeah, so that is cool. Basically, learning that skill, I guess, was was fun, and then everything that came along with it. Well, cool. Yeah, but this is not about me. It's about I you. Know. I just love to know people. I'm a people <laughs> person. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, because this is our first time like actually talking. Yeah. We were friends on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you came up as a recommended friend to me because of our mutual friends. Yeah. And uh, seemed like a cool person, so I was like, friend, and you said accept, and yeah. yeah. So we actually first met a couple weeks ago. Bumped yeah. into each other at the um, Liquid Studios, breaking yes. into the biz. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's and good to see you. You know, there's some people that you just meet that you're like, I have an instant connection <laughs> with this person, and that person was my husband. But you mm -hmm. too, you know. <laughs> you too, you know, through yeah. Facebook, I was like, this is a kindred soul. I can oh, feel it. Right so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what? Um, well, where are you from? I am from a few different places, but I would call home Niceville, Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, I you know it. I had some family in Niceville once oh, upon cool. a time. Yeah, they all. I live love in... it when people say, "Really, is that a real place?" And people <laughs> who actually know it, I'm like, "Yes, it is a real place." Yeah. Yeah, That's it's cool. kind of beautiful. You know, it's in the panhandle between Pensacola and Panama City on the Gulf Coast. And okay. It's an amazing place to call home. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not quite Florida. It's more like Southern Alabama. You got a lot of like country feel there, you know, mm -hmm. but you still got beautiful beaches. And mm -hmm. yeah, happy to be from there. Nice. Cool. And so you say a few different places. Yeah. Um, I grew up like between Iowa and Florida, I guess. My dad um, was a real estate developer. So I grew up, I had a really interesting childhood. Um, I started in Iowa, he moved to Florida mm -hmm. and made millions of dollars doing big real estate developments and you know, mm -hmm. private school and yachts and everything. And then we moved to Iowa again because he wanted to get back in touch with his roots and give mm. us a good country upbringing. And mm -hmm. he bought a sheep farm and wow. we had <laughs> thousands of acres and 
thousands of sheep and he knew nothing about sheep Mm. or farming or anything like that so Mm -hmm. it like failed on a huge scale and he lost everything he had oh my goodness so we went from being you know having everything to having nothing and Mm -hmm. and when you're a child you don't really know all of the Mm. all the details of all of what's going on you know you just how old were you at this point um i was like 10 maybe okay so that was the first time i really kind of was bullied as a child in oh, a country really? town. Yeah, and huh. I really, um, I didn't understand why kids didn't like me, but they knew, I guess, you know, word in town was my dad had money and he came in and he bought stuff that everybody else wanted and then he lost it all. Cause, so mm. I got notes in my locker. Really? And things like, I mean, it was just horrible as oh a kid goodness. to be like, I don't know what my dad is doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really great to have that experience to take care of animals all day long, to you know, be trudging out in the mud, like knee high mm. in the mud in the winter time to feed the animals and to experience that whole, um, you know, just like working with your hands yeah. you know, and learning the value of hard work as a child, mm. um, which I think is missing a lot in today's world. Sure. So that was a, a good aspect of my childhood. And then we moved back to Florida and that's kind of where I stayed, um, finished high school and did some college there and mm. everywhere else. I think I ended up at five different colleges Wow! before I finally got my degree because okay. I married a military man. And ah. So we go everywhere. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, my whole life has been a big traveling adventure but I wouldn't have it any other way yeah yeah awesome and what, what is your major is my it major acting? is actually communications oh neat yeah so we're speaking the same language <laughs> yeah, yeah, high yeah. Five. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's been fun and I also uh, got a nursing license in there so Ooh. I kind of um I'm a person who really likes to try everything I guess you know yeah if there's something I'm like that looks cool I want to do it just for a little bit you know mm-hmm. and um and if there's something that I come back to like acting then I know that it's something that was more than just a whim you know mm-hmm. something that I thought oh mm-hmm. I'll just try and see if I like it you know yeah um and so here I am back here at this phase of my life which is kind of really awesome to be back here I think a lot of people start at something when they're young you know, high school or college, and half the time we do college, we have no idea what we want to do. Right. Even when we're done with college, we're like, what did we get a degree in that? What are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. this is just, what a waste of my time and money. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe probably 25% of us actually use what we got our degrees to right. do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like, why did we do that? Um, and then there's a time when you kind of come back to it and you think, okay, now that I have this time, and some people jump straight into it from college and they do this and they do it for years and they're really miserable mm-hmm. at what they do and they feel like they're kind of stuck. And then there's people like me who do life, get married and have babies and (laughs) take this big break from career. Mm -hmm. And then we get to this phase in our life and we're like, who am I? Uh You know, like, who am I really? You know, Mm -hmm. now that I have time again in my life, isn't so chaotic. Like if I could do anything, what would it be? Mm -hmm. You know, and we're kind of at a place where we have the resources and we have the time Mm. and we have the life experience to kind of know what that is that we didn't have when we were younger, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. when we just wanted to dabble in things and try everything and, you know, um, and it was all about us. And then you have life experience and you meet people and you have a partner and you learn what it means to, to think outside of yourself, I think, you know, and then you come back and you're like, all right, this is something that I really love now and mm-hmm. that's what I think is so great about like I wouldn't say older people because we're not older older but you know <laughs> but like when you get to this phase it's like you really know what you want mm-hmm. like as opposed to someone who is just coming into it and just getting their feet wet when you come back around to it the second time I feel like there's a different level of commitment there that wasn't mm-hmm. there earlier on you know absolutely yeah so uh when did you marry 
I got married when I was 23 years old. Wow. Yes. Good job. He caught me early. It was and a good call on his part. Still with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 14 years <laughs> this summer. So, yeah. So, I was going to say we got married when I was like 10. Yeah. <laughs> so, that made me like 24. <laughs> um, yeah. No, he's awesome. He is um, a pilot in the military, in the Air oh, Force. Yeah. Nice. And um, we started dating. In college, mm-hmm. I was kind of pursuing him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good-looking guy, and I mm-hmm. thought, hey, you know, we went to high school together. I knew mm-hmm. him, and um, those Air Force pilots. Yeah, well, he we were dating, and he kind of told me, oh, I just you know I put in a package for a pilot slot, and I was mm-hmm. twenty-one or twenty-two. I wasn't thinking yeah. about my future and what that meant, like mm-hmm. you know, for me, I was thinking, yeah. oh, cool, that sounds cool, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like so when are we gonna get together, you know? Yeah, and then it all kind of fell into place, and that became his job and that became our life you know and I never planned that like Mm -hmm. oh I want to be a military wife you know like I was really ambitious I was like full ride college scholarship I'm gonna do like you know people are gonna know me you Mm -hmm. know and then um, the military life makes it really hard to kind of do that Mm -hmm. you're kind of um you fall into the support role a lot of times just due to the schedule and the constant TDYs and deployments and things like that and Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of a make or break time and you see so many marriages in the military falling apart yeah. because they just can't do it. You know, they mm-hmm. decide like, this is not for me. I didn't sign up for this and they did, yeah. but they just couldn't imagine what it really looked like in real life, you know? So right, right. you either have to kind of decide my life is going to be about me and I'm first and I'm going to do whatever I want to do come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. Or you have to say, I'm looking at the bigger picture here mm-hmm. and I'm willing to put the things that I want on the back burner or on mm. hold for the greater good of just, you know, our family, our country, whatever, you know, and you, um, you make that decision. And if you really embrace it, mm-hmm. it goes really well. And you love what you do and you meet amazing people from all over the world and mm-hmm. you have a support network from all over the world yeah. and incredible life experiences, you know, mm-hmm. but some people can't handle it, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, that's him. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And you said making babies. You made babies. Yes, so? we've made three babies and we've adopted one baby. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, yeah. So um, we just love kids. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, we started out with two, and we thought, oh, we could do one more. I think we could do one more. So uh-huh. we, you know, we'd always talked about adopting and said, we want to adopt or um, or have one more. We said we'll try. Mm-hmm. So we tried for like two months, and usually we were like accidental pregnancy. So mm. we're like, ooh, this is weird. It's not happening. So oh. <laughs> we'll just adopt and. There you um, go. Um, I had been volunteering with an agency called Our Family in Africa that helps orphans in mm-hmm. uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm-hmm. I'd been doing like their newsletters and publications and things like that. It's Neat. a good way to use your skill, right, sure, on the sure. side. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And um, our goal is really to keep um, keep the children in country and provide the support they need while they're in country, so they they grow up in their culture, in their community, mm-hmm. you know, with the resources they need in their community. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, we would find children that just needed to be out or they they weren't going to make it you yeah, know yeah, um yeah. the rare circumstances where babies um just didn't have a chance so mm-hmm. um they called me one day about a baby in an orphanage and mm. he um they said we don't know what he's doing in here it's an older kid orphanage they don't have formula he's about eight months old but he's mm. severely malnourished um they're just kind of pouring water down milk into his mouth mm. um you know, he's he's going to die if we don't get him out of here. Oh Would goodness. you be willing to adopt him? You know, uh-huh. and we thought, well, you know what? Like, we talked so much about this and the circumstances for adoption, and we really believe in reunification with parents or extended family. Like, okay. first of all, you know, where the kids need to be. Sure. <laughs> if there's any circumstance, 
that justifies adoption. Like, this is it. You mm. know, no living relatives, no family. He's going to die if we don't get him out. Mm. Obviously, it's a no-brainer. Like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, we'd love him. Um, so he came home about eight months later. Okay. Um, it was amazing. He, uh, he didn't have a name when he was in Congo. I oh. said, well, what's his name? And they said, um, we don't name babies in the Congo because they just die. Like oh, we don't even geez. we don't even bother naming them because yeah, malaria is so profuse there. It mm. costs five dollars for a malaria pill, but mm. they don't have money, so wow. the children just lay there and oh and God. die. So he actually had malaria twice before I was able to bring him home. Wow! But because he was ours, we were able to get him to the hospital and get him treated, and mm-hmm. you know, so um, <clears throat> and now he's home and he is eight years old. Wow! Yeah. And um, he's an amazing addition to our family. He like he's the most joyful. I mean, he's his um, his mother died in childbirth on the side of the road oh, from the oh story my we heard. Goodness. Trying to get to a hospital. Oh jeez. Um, and then he almost died in the orphanage, and then he almost died from malaria. So I'm uh, like, you know what? This kid's got a purpose. Like yeah. he's here in our family. Like my job is to make sure that I give him everything he needs to mm. accomplish that purpose. You know, mm-hmm. and it just the whole experience in general gave me like. A bigger picture of the world in general. Sure. Like, <laughs> the things that we make big deals of here are really not big deals at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you hear people whining about, like, slow internet or traffic or the waiter brought them. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I just wish everybody had the experience of, of being in that situation and just seeing how other people live to really realize what's important in life and what's not important, you know? Yeah, get outside the vacuum. Yeah, and it kind yeah. of changes, like, how you do your whole life. Absolutely. You know, like, what is really important to me, you mm-hmm. know? Is it that people know who I am and that mm-hmm. I have certain things hanging on my wall mm-hmm. or that I have this many Facebook friends or, like, yeah. what, what is my purpose and what is my value found in? And mm-hmm. I think so many people these days have no idea mm-hmm. what their purpose is, you mm-hmm. know? And it takes a long time to figure that out for a lot of people, yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, nowadays, it seems like even longer. Like, people are in their, <laughs> their 30s, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, back and forth with their parents or... Um, just trying to figure out what they want to do and what they want to be and they're looking around for everybody else to tell them what their purpose is mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. like what do you think is my type you know what would you uh, cast me as or you know mm-hmm. oh you liked this thing will you please like this and it's like that's all great but I want to be totally confident in in who I am and what my purpose is outside of all of that mm-hmm. like if no one ever liked anything we did you know like yeah. if no if everybody hated return to life and we're like mm. oh sorry cliff you know <laughs> or like if no one liked our facebook stuff or whatever mm-hmm. you know if like everything we did fell flat mm-hmm. would we be okay mm-hmm. you know like would we still know who we are right you know and i think a lot of people wouldn't because yeah. that's where they find their worth is from other people and what do you attribute that to? Would you say? Well, you you made the the contrast that um, it seems like there's more people now who are seeking meaning uh, in in outside things. Is am I interpreting that? Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think. Um, or it takes longer. Yeah, yeah. Because um, my dad, like he he told me one time that he was either his late twenties or early thirties before he figured out what to do with his life, yeah. and, and he had a pretty good gig going on um, yeah. for a while there too. Um, and I feel like I've only just hit my stride in the last couple of years, or I'm hitting my stride mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple of years, and I'm I'm approaching forty. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. What, what I think do you... there's like so many things that would go into that. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you look at like where we're at economically as a country, okay, back yeah. like <clears throat> during the depression, you don't see a lot of people standing around saying, "Who am I? What should I do? What's my right. purpose?" It's like we have all this free time, and we mm-hmm. have enough financial resources that we're comfortable enough to like to explore and play around like mm-hmm. 
I think it's kind of like a self-absorption that we've gotten into that people didn't have, mm. you know, even like a hundred years ago. It was like, I'm going to do my work, whatever work it is to provide for my family, you know, and I'm going to do what I need to do. And now people are like, I don't want to just do what I need to do. I want to, I want to do what I want and yeah. I want to explore and I want to feel super fulfilled in everything mm. I do. And I don't think we're meant to feel super fulfilled in everything we do. You sure, know? I yeah. think that there's purpose <clears throat> in being let down. I think there's purpose mm-hmm. in just like doing hard work and chores and I don't think it's so much about what you do as who you are when you're doing it you know like people are gonna remember like you know they say that like you might not always remember like what I did but you're gonna remember who I am Mm -hmm. you know and uh, that's what I want people to remember about me and I would think most people want that you know they don't want to say oh Cliff let's just look at his IMDB he did this during this 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 you want people to be like oh Cliff was so awesome remember Mm -hmm. when he did this and this and he was the guy I could talk to when I needed encouragement and blah 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 like Mm -hmm. I want people to remember me for who I was as a person and not yeah. anything I did at all. Mm-hmm. Like everything else could just fall flat and I want them to be like, she was there. You know, mm-hmm. she was the one person I could talk to and she encouraged me when I was going through this in my life. So I think a lot of people who are seeking that outside approval and not just mm-hmm. doing life and, you know, being kind and being, you know, mm-hmm. being a good person who they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they're going to miss it. So I think, yeah, some of it is that we have too much free time on our hands and we've made life too much about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think when your life is so much about yourself, you're, you're never going to be happy, you know? Yeah. Like, it's true, really. Mm-hmm. Like, because you, you see people who get what they want, mm-hmm. you know, and everything lines up and they get all the things and all the, and they're just like, this is it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's always a letdown. Okay, I guess, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when your life becomes mm-hmm. about something other than you, about, like, the people around you, mm-hmm. then no matter whether it's success or failure you feel fulfilled because of the relationships in your life you know in right. the, in the people because the people matter to me and this is what I tell my kids all the time I'm like people matter you know mm-hmm. pe- people are important you go to school you're going to do your work mm-hmm. you're going to respect your teachers but look around you at the people around you you know yeah. like see who needs friends like be there like relationships always always above anything else on your to-do list relationships I will put down whatever I'm doing at any time to talk to anybody because People are so important, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that actually, something I've been hearing a lot also is uh, the idea of, um, well, social media. And um, not just having the free time, but just getting so absorbed into uh, what you were saying about getting the likes on everything. But then also that's that's not actual, it, it's a form of interaction with other yeah. people, but it's not the same as a face-to-face conversation. Yeah. And I it's mean, just words on a in, a in a word balloon or in a, a note or on yeah. a wall or something. and like so much of communication relies on seeing the other person and yeah. seeing what their their body language is telling you yeah. what their face is telling you in addition to what their words are telling you not to mention just that the tones in which they say the words yeah. and so we rely on our own experiences um, in in life to interpret what is on the wall and something that could be a totally benign comment meant by the person who writes it can be taken as a soul crushing yeah. kind of thing. It could just or, be like, wow, you know, someone says wow and you think that like, maybe they meant, oh, that was really great but really in your mind you're thinking like, wow, that was a mess, you know? Yeah, like, wow, yeah. what did you just do there? Uh-huh. I mean, I think social media is a good start. It's a good start for people who you know, are, are not that good at getting out and being social. Like online oh, sure. dating, I'm like, that is awesome. If they would have had that back in my day. <laughs> That's how my wife and I Five met. years ago. See, yeah. it's a good place to start relationships, but mm-hmm. not to keep it that way. And I think that's right. why we keep going back. Like mm. how many likes, how many likes, how many, because it's yeah. never enough. Like it's not going to fulfill us when we just see something on a screen. You know, we mm-hmm. need 
yeah, we definitely need human interaction. You know? mm-hmm. It's like how we're made. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, talking about purpose, have, have you figured out your purpose? You know, I think that. Or do we or do we ever figure it out? Exactly. <laughs> I think that purpose changes over one's life a lot. Yeah. I think we're constantly evolving as people mm. and there's so much that are, that's going to change. So if you take like some quiz when you're in high school that says, I'm supposed to be this mm-hmm. and you cling to that your whole life mm-hmm. and then you're miserable, like you're not allowing for the fact that you're going to grow and change and have all these life experiences. You know, there's mm. the Myers-Briggs personality test yeah. and you can take it once every year and you might get a different thing because you're changing or the... Five love languages. Have oh, you yeah. heard of that? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't heard of that, you should check it out. But mm-hmm. they have it for kids. They have it for adults. And it mm-hmm. just tells you, you know, these are five love languages. Uh, what are they? Physical touch, gifts, words of affirmation, quality, quality time. time. What's the last one? Oh, Acts of service. Oh, yeah. Acts mm-hmm. of service. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could have always said, like, most men, 75% of men will say, physical touch, that's mm-hmm. me, all the way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, most women will not say that. That'll be, like, at the bottom of their list, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for men. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was a time probably earlier on when I had small children at home that I would say acts of service mean so much to me. If you could just load the dishwasher or cook oh, me dinner yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now that stuff is kind of managed, and I'm like, I really want quality time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, things change mm-hmm. over, over our lives. And I think our purpose definitely changes. You know, there was yeah. a time where my purpose was to be at home and take care of small babies and make sure they stay alive, you mm-hmm. know, and get them the whatever they need. My son from Congo special needs. So at that time, my purpose is setting up everything he needs sure. to set him up for life. Uh, you absolutely. Know? So I think our purposes can change and people need to be open to mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think if you're, if you're walking through life without purpose or if your purpose is for yourself, then mm. you're never going to be fulfilled. You know, right. I, I like to think that like everybody is made Mm-hmm. on purpose mm-hmm. for a purpose mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. that's um, that's a saying that I really believe in that we have to know that we mm-hmm. actually are created to have a purpose in this life you know we're not just walking around aimless waiting for the day we turn into dust you know the, there's a purpose here on this earth and if you get up every day thinking alright what am I going to do today like mm-hmm. what am I going to do today to to change your life, you know, mm. to be, to be there for someone. Like if I'm just going to lay in my bed all day and we all have days like this where yes. we want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch Netflix and I'm going to eat ice cream <laughs> and I'm going to play online. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's days for that, but then it's like, what, what did I even do today? You know, like <laughs> yeah. what was the purpose of today? Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, you can allow for that. But, yeah. um, and I think other people are really good at telling you kind of are like showing you what your purposes are. You know, when you get good feedback on something and they say, Cliff, that was really well written. Like, that was great what you did. You know, mm-hmm. then you're like, okay. I mean, sometimes other people can validate mm-hmm. and help you kind of solidify what your purpose is. Yeah. But I think that um, mostly that's going to come from inside of you. I think that if you, if you spend a lot of time thinking about who you are and if you seek, if you seek a purpose outside of yourself, and I would say like, for me, it's like it's going to God. Like, okay, mm. you made me. Mm-hmm. What am I? What am I made for? And sometimes it's just looking at yourself and saying, okay, what are my natural giftings and abilities? You right. know, I'm a people person. I love people. He made me to love people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I love people I don't even meet. I love all these people on Facebook when I see them that I don't hardly talk to in real life, like mm-hmm. Tira or Rebecca. And I'm like, oh, look at her. She's doing awesome. Like, yay. Yeah. Like, yay for Cliff. He's got this web page going. He's got like, <laughs> yes. Like, I love seeing people succeed. You mm-hmm. know, and I have mm-hmm. a. Um, this thing that I do, it's really funny, but I can look at anybody and like not see them for even where they're at now, but see them at their like highest potential, Mm. you know? So when people are like, 
addicted to something and I see them at their lowest or I see, you know, just people that are like not in the best place in their life, you know, I can look at them and be like, I can picture you at the fullest potential of who God made you to be with Mm. what you have right now. And it's Mm -hmm. so cool. Like, it's so beautiful. Like you might be super messed up right now, Mm -hmm. but you're so like, you would be a great public speaker, a great encourager. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I, I love doing that with people. I think there's so much negativity in the world and there's yeah. something about like people are like, well, we have to be realistic and we have to be skeptical and critical hmm. and there's so much like crappy stuff in life that you can be that way about but mm-hmm. there's also really something to being optimistic, you know? Yeah. And like hopeful because no one has hope anymore. You yeah, know? they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, like no. I, I feel like you can be skeptical about something but also hope for the best or or, yeah. or or see the good in in whatever and, yeah. and be open that's the big thing yeah. is being open to things yeah and what you were saying before about um uh, da, 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 personality evolving and, and yeah. purpose evolving and stuff like it's on one hand we want i think it's it's easy and secure to like be nailed down to one thing um because like yeah. that's that's me. Mm-hmm. So I, I know what I'm capable of or I know the rules or whatever. Yeah. But then also at the same time, uh, for me anyway, I find myself not wanting to be boxed in by other people. Yeah. You know, if I box myself in, great. But if anyone else tries to do is like, no, I can do this. I can do that. And um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I just thinking about hope, you know, and how mm-hmm. people are hopeless. I think a lot of people who feel like they don't know what their purpose is, they feel kind of like hopeless you know like and just like walking around with that I want everybody to know that there's like that someone believes in them you know Mm -hmm. and that that you have there's like hope for you you know there's got to be nothing worse than feeling like there's no point to any of this you know Mm -hmm. like what I'm doing is pointless this life is just hopeless because I think that there is so much to hope in Mm -hmm. and I think if you don't if you don't believe that you have a purpose then Mm -hmm. that's hard hard to find you know yeah and I and I also when you were talking about being boxed in you know is like this is what I am I am mm-hmm. a writer I am this I am mm-hmm. the guy of this like we do that to people and especially like in this industry it's part mm-hmm. of like typecasting you know mm-hmm. like I am the the quirky girlfriend or <laughs> you are the you know like thinking of our friend Dennis you know yeah, like yeah. oh you're the black thug guy you yeah. know we're like mm-hmm. I mean it's so easy to kind of if you're going to do it quickly, like stereotype yourself for something or stereotype another person for something. But mm-hmm. people are so much more than that. You know, I can be like, oh, I have Muslim friends. I have a Muslim friend. I have a gay friend. It's mm-hmm. like you're doing that person an injustice by just saying, I have a gay friend. Mm-hmm. I have a Muslim friend. It's like they're that's just one aspect of this really complicated person. Right. You know, like right. there's so much more than that, mm-hmm. you know, and if you just. I mean, I don't want to be known as like, oh, I have the fun friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be just the fun friend. I want to be yeah. like, I want to be all these other things that I really am. And I think everybody wants to be known for who they really are. Right. And it's really hard to do mm. in this day and time. So it's good that you're mm. doing podcasts and like pulling that out of people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's, that's an excellent point. Um, but thing is, like, we can't control what how people view us, yeah. you know? Um, so how do you, how do you, how would you deal with that? Uh, when you feel like someone's not really getting the full you? Oh, that's tough. That's yeah. tough one for me because I, um, I, I'm not going to say that I'm a, I'm a people pleaser, mm-hmm. but I love people so much that if someone takes something the wrong way from me, mm. cause I always mean it with the best intentions or I, like if I make a joke mm-hmm. in my mind, it like, I love these people, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. 
if someone either perceives me the wrong way or something I say the wrong way, it mm-hmm. kills me because I love people and I yeah. hate offending people right. in, in any sort of way, you know? Mm-hmm. I think most of that is bridged with conversation and like real face-to-face conversation, not mm-hmm. like on the internet if they say something to me and then I'm like, oh, well, you mi- I'm not doing the back and forth on Facebook. Like, yeah. that's crazy. I would send a private message and be like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like, let's talk mm-hmm. this over or whatever, you know? I think yeah. that getting to know someone mm-hmm. can just end all of that. Yeah. You know, so that's why I'm just, I know I'm friends with everybody. Yeah, that's <laughs> And awesome. I love everybody because mm-hmm. everybody is worthy of having a relationship with, you know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I feel, yeah, I've had similar experiences and I don't know what it is, if it's uh, my voice or my demeanor, but oftentimes when I'm trying to like show genuine excitement for someone, they think I'm being sarcastic. And then just like write me off as some kind of a-hole. I'm like, no, I mean it. <laughs> like if I was being sarcastic, and when I'm being sarcastic, people don't realize I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. But uh, yeah, I'm quick to say like, no, 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 I mean it. I really am excited for you. This is awesome. This is great. Well, that's cool because I feel like a lot of men don't express that a lot. You know, that's kind uh, of yeah. like the, mm-hmm. I don't know, like women are good at cheering each other on and mm-hmm. cheering for each other and like oh yay you know yeah. like if a guy does that you're like really you know mm. they're just a little more like huh. they keep their stuff under wraps a little, it's like a, a little gender more. norm thing yeah but I love it I think you should keep doing it oh I yeah everybody yeah. I heard someone say one time like for women you should fangirl your friends like mm. be the fan for all of your friends mm-hmm. like be like you're awesome you're doing great you know yeah. like why are we competing with each other mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I mean for you and whoever for women in general it's like so what if you have the same hair color and you're the same height as me and we're going mm. for the same like yeah. you're awesome yeah. like, we're doing awesome together and if mm-hmm. you get something that's awesome and I'll get something else and that's awesome like absolutely why wouldn't you just fangirl everybody or be everybody's fan yeah like, what do you get out of of being angry or bitter or mm-hmm. like I don't know I don't get anything out of that yeah so I just don't do that stuff you know yeah I, I get it and I've been there but I, I I do enjoy more being happy for other people yeah because it's more fun being happy yeah yeah for sure yeah and uh, yeah I guess there is a thing where, where dudes gotta keep up this uh, facade of keeping it together oh, and, yeah. and being calm cool and under control and I'm just like I ain't in control. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. No. And they're not in control either. Yeah. No, no one's really in control. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 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 Huh. So, yeah. Fun is good. So, how did you get into acting? So, um, Or actually, if you don't mind, going back a little bit. Yeah. Um, when you say you majored in communications, what did that mean for you? Because it means a lot of different things I've learned. To yeah, it did. Um, I people. really liked the... Um, marketing aspect of it and oh, I liked, okay. yeah was it um, a bachelor of arts or science um bachelor of arts okay yeah so i really like the marketing aspect of it i oh. love the idea of having something that i could do from home and be flexible mm-hmm. you know online marketing online um you know like facebook advertising mm-hmm. things like that you know i think it's a really cool like up and coming thing that's happening and yeah um a lot of different opportunities there and a lot of flexibility in that so um, I also just wanted to like get my degree done as fast as possible, oh, okay. and that was kind of like I said, which degree will get me there faster? And mm. they said, this one you only need this many credits. I said, put me down. Nice. So you know, and it worked, <laughs> hey. and I and I got there. But yeah, yeah. I guess I'm probably like most people. I started out acting when I was a little kid. You know, oh, okay. like make believe. I get mm-hmm. so many home videos of. Oh, nice. You know, singing, dancing, and plays and things like that, and mm-hmm. then. Um, in high school, I started doing forensics, which a lot of people think is like forensic science, like NCIS. Yeah. No, it's um, it's like competitive speech and drama oh, and debate. Oh, interesting. So they have it in some states, but not in all. But they had it in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you compete in acting. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you have humorous and you know dramatic. You have duos. You have groups. You have like monologues and. Um, so I started doing that actually like in middle school and did it all through high school mm-hmm. and did really well. I always tend to love the comedy more. Okay. I'm just yeah. that kind of lighthearted person. Uh-huh. But I did drama too and I actually was um, state champion in comedic, comedic interpretation. Rock on. Yeah, and made it to nationals. It was a national qualifier for That's comedic awesome. and I was state finalist in dramatic and it was just too hard for me to do both characters like Mm. one was like a girl who was being molested by her uncle and then another Mm. one was really funny Mm -hmm. and I was having to compete back to back and I was like I can't do this yeah (laughs) so I went in the dramatic room and I performed my comedic piece and they were like what I mean I kind of did it dramatic but they were like what just happened Uh so I just purposely like screwed myself there so I I could just stick with my comedic because I did I wanted to be out of drama for good so, um, so I did it through high school, and then I did some in college, um, you know, just little plays in community college, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, no, like, I can't make a career out of this. Like, mm. I need to get serious, you know? I need to get serious about my life. <laughs> These yes. people aren't serious about life. And, yes. um, and then I started my nursing training uh, okay. before I went to communication. So I was also, I'm also a nurse. Huh. But, um, but, yeah, now I can actually see that you can actually, like, do this for a career. And it's not just a pipe dream, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I got a lot, a lot of life experience under my belt that gives me a lot more to pull off of, you know, mm-hmm. when I act. And yeah. I think I actually have a greater appreciation for comedy mm-hmm. after being through so much crap in my life. You know, mm-hmm. I think Lisa Barnes was my acting coach. She's an HFC too, oh, and nice. she, um, she said I just, uh, I wrote a, a little short. It's comedy. Mm-hmm. I call it like a momedy, like <laughs> mom com. There's so okay. many different plays on words. There. Yeah, the guy, yeah. Is, guy is trimming the grass. He's, he's they should have done this earlier a, in the week, I thought. Doing a little so, weed eating. Okay, I'll just sit here and whistle. Yes, just Oh, there's one window. Still sounds just the same. <laughs> he's right outside the window. Hold on, guys. We might have to edit this part out later. There you go. Two down, two to go. <laughs> That's a little better. It's really pretty much the same, if not louder. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, because I'll concentrate through that yeah. window now. That's okay. Ah, well. You want to wait? We can take a break. Uh, Maybe he'll be done in like two minutes. It should be done in a minute, yeah. So let's hit pause. Okay. Back on. Okay. I don't remember what we were talking about before oh, that's okay. we stopped. We can keep talking about what we were what talking about. What were we about? talking about? Um... Okay. Acting, childhood. So we're back, and we're talking about. I, can't I think before before we we, we paused, uh, you were talking about your momedy. My momedy, yeah, my momedy. Working with Lisa Barnes. Oh yeah, so I wrote a momedy, momcom. There's so many ways you can go with that. It's called <laughs> okay. the, it's called the mom petition. Okay. And there's lots of different ways you can do mom petitions when you mm, think about it, because no you know what, moms need a little bit of entertainment in their life. Sure. Mom, mom is like one of those things like. If you don't laugh, you might cry, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you just like poop on the walls and <laughs> the mom poops on the walls. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> things get really bad. <laughs> I mean, the things that you deal with as a mom, there's so mm. many days and you're like, I, I just want to drink or I want to cry or mm-hmm, whatever. You yeah. know, you like 
you just want to check out. And a mm-hmm. really healthy way to do that is through laughing, right? Yes. And when you look around in the world, sometimes you're like, I just need to laugh. So that's why I love comedy. Mm, okay. Uh, I read a, uh, a book, um, Why Is God Laughing by Deepak Chopra, ah. which is um, fantastic. And uh, I think like the, not to spoil or anything, but like the, the main thing is like laughter is the most healthy way to respond to anything really. Yeah. Uh, I forget exactly what, he said in the book. Uh, it's really good, though. Oh, so I should read it. Yeah, you should read it. Okay. Anyone who's listening should read it too. It's 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 really great, and it's it's very easy to read. Yeah. It's it's through the it's like a narrative through the vo- through the life of a comedian. Wow. And uh, yeah, he has a spiritual experience when his father dies, and uh, then he meets this guru or whatever who starts walking him through things, and he's like, "Why is God laughing?" And yeah. Okay, that. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. yeah, but it's true though. I mean, laughter is. I'm one of those people that like laughs in inappropriate situations. You know, like <laughs> yeah. like at a funeral uh-huh. or like you know when you're in trouble or something. Mm-hmm. Like if I got pulled over, I'd probably be like, <laughs> like because that's how it comes out. Like that's how nerves yeah. come out and emotions come out sure. for me is through laughter. Mm-hmm. Like I'm one of those people that's just well, it it takes the power away from whatever is yeah. threatening or that's so true. adverse. Yeah, yeah. Like so, I mean, not to get too controversial or anything but that's that's something that that's that's a defense for like rape jokes yeah you know that's that's a big thing there are some comedians who use it in their sets and sometimes they get a lot of pushback but when they sit down and talk about it they're like taking the power away from it yeah. like they're not trying to be disrespectful towards the victim or or you know championing the act itself yeah, of course yeah. and there is a line you know there, yeah. there's there is a line but uh they're they're doing it to um, depower, and oftentimes when it comes from the the victim instead, yeah, um, it's it's a lot more powerful. Wow, that's an interesting point. In that regard, yeah, that's true. So I don't know if I would ever tell a rape joke <laughs> or anything. Yeah, um, you know, just to be safe. That'd be challenging. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always been the one that laughs. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in school, in elementary school, I got in mm. trouble just because I would just bust out <laughs> in laughter. But, like, I'm the person that thinks of, like, funny things all the time and serious things. Like, this mm. is how I, I write things. Is like, mm-hmm. okay, say you're at, a, you're at a funeral. And in my mind, I'm sitting at a funeral, but mm-hmm. in my head, I'm saying, like, how funny would it be if this guy just, like, sat up? Yeah. Like, and I just want to, like, say that to people next to me, like, what if he sat up? But, uh-huh. but you can't do that, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, but that's just how my mind works. Every situation, if I'm thinking of a scene, like I can watch other people's shorts and be like, oh wow, that was intense. And mm. like a chase scene. And I'm like, but what if it was a chase scene between two people, super like out of shape people. Mm. And this guy's like <laughs> running, but the guy's chasing him, but he keeps having to stop and catch his breath. And yeah. this guy's having to stop and catch his breath uh-huh. because they're both so out of shape. Yes. Like in my mind, everything serious turns funny. Like nice. no matter what, I can't get around it. Mm-hmm. And like lay in bed at night and think of these things and just yeah. crack myself up. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's the point I'm trying to get to. Like I've I've I find I've got that capability as well, but more often than not for some reason I I revert to uh thinking and acting out of fear. And and that then, you know, begets anger and rage and so yeah. I've been I've been more conscious about that. And I've, you know, kind of seesawed back and forth throughout life. Um and I'm I'm on an upswing right now. I've been consciously working towards it uh, you know, through meditating exercise getting more rest and that kind of thing but I find like when there's that moment where just um, say Stormy is uh, like um, broken broken the TV and a grease fire opens up on the stove and um, I don't know there's a big windstorm blowing in through the windows and rain's getting all over the place like you can stand there and 
like you can make the decision to like just pull your hair out and ah actually the first thing you should do is probably get everyone out of the house but um like then you can just stand there and either like break down in tears or just like ah can't get any worse than this and then you know 747 lands on it and but you're still okay and it's like wow (laughs) you know yeah that's pretty much how life is too (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah that's the thing you gotta have like it's good to hope for and look for good things yeah. um, but also to be aware and expect the bad things yeah. I think what do and, you think and to realize that they pass like they're, yeah. they're temporary Absolutely. you know I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people like if everybody's really seeking contentment in life you know mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. everybody they have a different idea of what that looks like and they try different things and then they never really feel content you know mm-hmm. there's two different things happening there there's there's happiness which is temporary mm-hmm and then there's joy, which mm-hmm. is which is permanent, which is long lasting, which is forever. Right. You know, and happiness depends on your situation. Like, what's going on right now? Did my house just blow down? Is my mm-hmm. kitchen on fire? Mm-hmm. Did I just not get that job or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, does that person not love me anymore? Or whatever. That's mm-hmm. you, if your happiness is based on temporary situations, like you're never going to be fulfilled. Right. But joy is something that exists underneath despite everything that's going on around you mm-hmm. so that when your house is falling down the right. kitchen's on fire and you didn't get the job you're like you know what I still have peace right. I have I have what I need mm-hmm. because I don't need all this stuff Absolutely. around me and I don't mm-hmm. need all this you know this approval and I don't need whatever like yeah. I have what I need and it's all right here mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so I think unless people have that underlying joy, mm-hmm. they're never gonna be content, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with, with whatever situation is thrown at them, whether it's good or terrible or whatever, you know? Right. And then I think another thing is realizing like, that everybody's a person, you know, when you were talking about like fear kind of getting a hold of you, and mm-hmm. and I feel like sometimes it's easy in this industry to feel that way, like mm. there's a huge fear of like, Am I gonna be accepted in this mm-hmm. in this community? Like in Hawaii, it's yeah. kind of tight knit, you know. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like people who know each other forever, and people are work together, and it's the same people. And you're like, am I gonna be in? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Or like, if if I don't get this role, or if I'm standing in front of this like board of casting directors and like freaking out, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, to me, I just I'm like, these are people. You know, that guy is a person. That yeah. woman is a person. Mm-hmm. She's got kids. She's got a family. She's just like me. She's got her weaknesses and her strengths, and like. Mm-hmm then they don't come across as so intimidating. You know, people say, like, yeah. picture them in their underwear. I mean, I don't do that. That's <laughs> yeah, just weird. That is like, strange. Yeah, I don't do that, but I'm like, mm-hmm. you're like my peer. You're my friend. Yeah, you can be exactly. my friend outside of this and we're not in this situation. If I don't get this job or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you're still a cool person and I'd still yeah. love to know who you are despite all this, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it kind of takes down the fear when mm-hmm. you realize that everybody's a just a person yeah. with, the, with their faults and their problems and their strengths and weaknesses and, you know, like, make everybody human, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. So, um, why acting? Like, you you mentioned that, um, and here he comes again. Here he comes. He's doing a good job today. He's doing a great job. I'm really, we should go. And that is. We should go encourage him, really. (laughs) That is I see you as a human, and you are amazing. Exactly. There we are. Face, case study. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I don't know which way. It kind of provides some atmosphere. It does. You know what I was thinking about for your show? I was thinking, like you know how to make things funny and I'm like mm. how do you make a podcast funny if no one's seeing anything I'm like <laughs> what if you did like behind the scenes uh-huh. like he's getting louder yes he's, I think so he's coming back what if you did like behind the scenes and instead of like people just thinking we're sitting here at your table talking mm-hmm. like 
what if they find out we're really wearing <laughs> like what if we're wearing like horse heads the whole interview you know, uh-huh. like those big rubber horse heads what yes. if you do every interview that way and people you're like you know it just helps people like mm-hmm. you know feel free to say what they want and uh-huh. they feel a little coverage and they're more open so mm-hmm. believe it or not we do all these interviews with these giant horse heads on, yes you know? and excellent microphones is your is your head comfortable my head is really comfortable okay in this great head. this one's a little tight oh yeah but um, or like what if people didn't know this but every time you were doing one I had a bowl of M&M's and I was trying to throw them in your mouth while you were talking you know yes. nobody would know but it would be a fun uh-huh. game to play right yes yes I wish you would uh, improve your aim I'm like, ow <laughs> I'm getting annoyed all these M&M's being thrown in my face um well what see. shall we do um eh. oh I hear him fading yeah but yeah that's a great thing because you know normal well normal reaction standard I guess world reaction would be like oh my gosh I wish he would just go away but he uh, I, I I did speak with him the other day and I um, I realized that he is not from here English is not his first language he is older than me and this is what he's doing for a living mm-hmm. and like why should I be a jerk to to yeah. him because um, if he wasn't doing it you would have to do it exactly yeah that's one thing and um yeah, the fact that I'm I'm uh, you know not gainfully employed doing something um, you know instead of you know doing the podcast and doing this and going back to school yeah. uh, and getting you know money from that um, yeah that's cool though it is cool it is cool but then you know that's like puts me in the place where like I should appreciate this man yeah if nothing else he's a human being yeah just another human that's right yeah like we're all human like I'm the most I'm like superhuman oh yeah I mean, not like superhuman like. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I have superpowers, but mm-hmm. like I'm like superhuman. Okay. I mean, you know, everybody. I hear you. Everybody's got a ton of weaknesses, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Why I do acting? I don't know. I just love it. For me, I think you have to love what you do, and right. I love, um, I love having the chance chance to be somebody else. You know, even oh, for yeah. just a little bit. It's mm-hmm. so fun, and I love the challenge of trying to relate to someone that I'm not I think mm. it's part of the whole empathy thing of like I love you and I love you and you're all so different like you, when you become someone else all of a sudden you understand them so much more you mm-hmm. know so the more different roles you play mm-hmm. the more you can put yourself in all these different people's shoes whether it's a homeless person or a yeah. drug addict or a prostitute mm-hmm. or just you know a mom or a teacher when you like take that all on and let yourself really feel all that mm-hmm. the next time you see those people you're like oh I get you Absolutely. you know like we're, we're not that different you know mm-hmm. and you really might be kind of different you know but at least you can empathize with that person then and but it's a challenge I mean I hate I'm not good at serious stuff like it's hard for me in my classes when they make me do serious stuff <laughs> yeah and they make me hold it till they say cut you know mm. holding that straight face like the mm-hmm. like I'm so close to just busting out in a <laughs> laugh it's so hard for me but it's yeah. really challenging for me to be like just do it you know because mm-hmm. it's a vulnerable place for me because comedy is uh, kind of safe you sure, know sure. I mean it's always happy and you're yeah. always goofy and but like to get to the place where you're kind of showing your raw emotion mm. and you gotta just kind of simmer in that is mm-hmm. like oh I don't like it you know oh, okay. but it's a good practice to do because we need to do that in real life too you know mm-hmm. kind of just like you know, be real with ourselves sometimes and not always realize it's always like mm-hmm. sunny in, yeah. in Hawaii, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so, mm-hmm. so it's challenging and it's really fun. Yes. <laughs> cool. What about you? You ever act, Cliff? Um, yeah, I acted, uh, I also, as a kid was into just, you know, playing make-believe and when we got a video camera, I started making little movies with action figures and stuff. 
Do uh, you have any of those on tape we could see? I don't, oh, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, I think they're somewhere in, in Pennsylvania. I'm like not on sure. a VHS? Yeah, okay. VHS. And, yeah. yeah. Um, what about singing? Do you sing? I love singing. Do you? Do you I do, do karaoke? Um, when I'm at a karaoke place. Okay. Yeah, I don't go out of my way to do it necessarily just because... I don't know. Never think about it. But if there's yeah. a karaoke, if I'm at a place and there's a karaoke thing opening up, then I will. You would take advantage of I, it. I will do at least one song. What's your karaoke song? I don't have. I'm not doing enough to have oh. a song, really. I think. Um, what would it be? Classic like Bon Jovi or. No, I can't. I can't get that high. Um, oh. Garth Brooks, Friends on Low Places. Oh, that's it. I knew it. Yes. Yes. You got the voice for that. You do. I uh, yeah. I do. Uh, yeah. I can. I can do Garth Brooks songs. I can do um, a- Alex. No. Jackson, Alan, Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson, yes. Oh, now you're dating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what about, um, who's that guy that sings along, like, uh, what is his name? Michael Buble. Oh, you can do Michael. I can sing in his range. He's kind of high sometimes too, right? And I feel it. Kind of, yeah, but there's like so many others that I think I can, Is it, yeah, I think it's Buble. We should have a karaoke podcast day. Hey. Where I get to pick songs for you. And okay. You can, and you just like random throw them out there, you nice. know? We can bring in a few more people. We sure. Can, like, Acapella style stuff. Oh, yeah. There's lots of different directions you could go with the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, singing is great. Um, in, in church growing up, I was in, uh, whenever when we had a, a church play or choir, then I was involved with that. And then in high school, I was in a drama group for three years. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. What did you sing? Like, what musicals did you do? Um, well, this is, this is a, a, a Christian drama group, and what they would do is take fairy tales and put Christian twists on them, oh. which, uh, looking back, it was just kind of like, really? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's yeah. Yeah, the Bible Belt. So yeah. um, my first play was Beauty and the Beast, and I got the role of the Beast. Ooh. Yeah, that was fun. That's cool. Um, and then uh, we did this one called, oh, we did a version of Snow White, which, and even Beauty and the Beast and Snow White barely resemble the original stories. So they're very different, but still fun. Um, and then uh, one of a uh, biographical play about the pastor missionary Robert Mueller. Is it Robert Mueller or something? I don't know. He went to went from Germany to England, opened up an orphanage, and I, I played kind of the, the the rough gang leader of the orphans. Oh, I can picture that. Yeah, so I did an awful Cockney accent. Oh. Um, Can we t- hear just a little bit of it? No. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, that yeah. guy's working again. He's, he, he's, he's working. He's earning his paycheck. It's just a nice background. Yes. It's, yeah, nice ambiance. What can you do? Yeah. yeah. We're in close to the living room. Mm. It's a nice sunny day. If you guys can just picture it, we've got coffee. Beautiful sunny day. Hard workers. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Then I got more into filmmaking um, than acting. Still... Well, I haven't really done any acting since then, uh, except for like a couple of shorts that I've done just by myself, pretty much. Um, and then kind of got away from it for a while. After I graduated uh, East Carolina University, uh, I went straight into customer service because that's the only place that I could find money. Mm-hmm. I like the confidence and the direction and the drive, um, as well as encouragement from uh, friends and family to pursue filmmaking. Um, although I, I, I must say that I did receive some encouragement before graduating high school to go to a film school, but I chickened out. Yeah, um, that's what we do. Yeah, and so yeah, years of bouncing around, customer service, customer service job, um, 
did a stint in uh, teaching high school English uh, for a well, bit. That's kind of fun, huh? Yeah, that was yeah. That, that was all right. Um, that uh, what, what preceded that actually was uh, three years in therapy uh, to help discover myself yeah. and, and deal with some things, and uh, then that put me on the road, which ultimately led to here. So, how do you feel like you are now, like jumping into filmmaking now, versus if you would have gone into it straight from high school? Hmm. How do I feel now? Now I feel a lot more confident. I wish I had the confidence then that I have now, but I don't know. You know, I I don't think I would be in Hawaii right yeah. now. Maybe I would be. Maybe I still would have ended up with Jenny and still had uh, our amazing son Stormy, yeah. uh, or maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird to think about all the different directions life can go. Right, it's, like, it's totally weird. Just like one decision, you know, mm-hmm. like whether you chose this class or this major or what this location or this person, like. There's just a trillion different mm-hmm. options for for each decision you make in life that puts you exactly where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like mind blowing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. But that's, that's what I was talking about before. Also, is like um, I don't know if it's just you know part like part of the spiritual DNA of, of mm-hmm. my family, or if it's something environmental uh, that that caused it. But I've just always been more fear-based, like afraid of things, like afraid of taking risks. Um, I didn't go on a roller coaster until I was 14. Um, I didn't go off a, a high dive willingly. Well, actually, I did that when I was a kid. That was that was kind of a big thing. Um, but yeah, just like, because I thought for a while it was something that uh, my, my, my uh, mom specifically imbued in me, but, you know, kind of seeing the behaviors of, of my son now, I can see some similarities. And I try not to project, mm-hmm. you know, I try to be objective. I think like he's clean slate, tabula rasa. He has no reason to fear anything, and yet uh, some things he does. Mm-hmm. Some things he's fearless about. But um, yeah, so yeah, having kids is like a whole wake up call. Of yeah. Like, oh man, I better get this right. You Absolutely. Know, like, these are all my faults, and then you start mm-hmm. thinking about your parents and like, oh, they had faults. Yes. Like when you're a kid, you're like, however I was raised, that was my parents, and they were they were good parents or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. most people unless it's something blatant yeah. and then you kind of grow up and you become a parent and you were like oh dang yeah like <laughs> <laughs> i want to do that but i don't want to do that mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. then every day you're like am i screwing it up am i screwing it up and you're gonna screw it up oh like, sure yeah everything is about like making mistakes and learning from it like the mm-hmm. kids do it every day you know my sisters will be like oh is he be- being like that i'm like he's like five he's a kid mm-hmm. he learns from mistakes right it's just a series of mistakes and consequences before he figures out how he's supposed to behave you mm-hmm. know, like it's, of course. and that's us as parents too, like mm-hmm. just learning by mistake, you know? Right. But thinking of that, what you were saying about living by fear and the, I think there's a lot of like, what ifs, you know, if mm-hmm. I do this, what if this happens? What if this is bad for my marriage? What mm-hmm. if my kid turns out to have anxiety issues? What if, what if, you know? Yeah. And if you kind of like change your mindset instead of like, what if this bad stuff happens? Like, what if this good thing happens? Like, right. what if I do this and it leads to this, this, and this? You know, right. what if I do this and, mm-hmm. you know, it helps my marriage? Or what if I do this with my kids and they could grow up to be something really awesome? Like, mm-hmm. you know, in improv, I just finished taking an improv class and um, it was really interesting because I, I feel like I'm kind of a verbal person and I like a lot of banter and uh. my husband might say I like to argue sometimes. You know, <laughs> not like in a... Not in like a bad way, but yeah. just like, oh, well, my opinion matters too. And I'm going to say, and it's usually different than what his is because mm. we're different people and mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. But they teach you an improv, like 
and when you're going back and forth, instead of saying but and contradicting the other person, you mm-hmm. keep the scene going by saying yes and. Right. Yeah, you would know that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of really something cool that and my husband took the improv class with me, which is so against his nature. Wow. He's like, you know, hire military guy, like super uh-huh. serious. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to take this class. And he said, I'll come too. And I thought, what? Wow. And it has been so fun. <laughs> He's actually pretty good at it. And, That's awesome. Um, we started playing yes and in the car. Uh-huh. You know, we had an interaction in class and I kept saying, he would say something and I would say, but I thought we were going to the blah, blah, blah. Just like uh, I do in real life. And the guy was like, quit saying but, you're you're stalling the interaction here. Say mm-hmm. yes and, yes mm-hmm. and. So we started doing that in the car. He'd be mm-hmm. like, yes, we're going to go home and we're going to have dinner. And I'd be like, yes, and I'm going to make your favorite, blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, yes. And then we're going to go to the bedroom and, and I'm like, Yes, and because you can't say no or but, and I'm like, so this has been really good for our marriage, but um, but if you approach life like that, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being like, but, or I shouldn't, just yes. be like, yes, and then also this, like, mm-hmm. good things will come out of this, yes, and, instead of like, but, what if, Absolutely. you know, it's like, it's all about like, how you, your attitude that you approach things with, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, there he is again. Yes. And we appreciate yes. the work yes. he's doing. Yes, and we appreciate that. And he's further away now. Yes, he is. But the sound is reflecting off the wall. Yes, it is. But that's okay. Yes, it is okay. Yes. <laughs> it provides ambiance. Absolutely. Um, that was a huge thing when uh, meeting Jenny. Um, meet, meeting her and being with someone who I learned I did not need to be afraid of or afraid of how she would treat me or you know whatever yeah. um, I mean things aren't always you know 100% sunshine and rainbows we you know but along with that it's also um, someone that I could healthily argue with mm-hmm. or come into conflict mm-hmm. with um, and vice versa and we can deal with it maturely or we can you know respectfully call each other out on our BS and uh, it's been great yeah um, we've been together four years now and um yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. Prior to that, though, um, married to someone else, I, and it was kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. And uh, long distance, also for the majority of it, even though it was it's, itself was short lived. Um, just a, a stark contrast. Yeah. You, know. you live and you learn, man. Absolutely. Every experience, I feel like, shapes you, and you realize like this is what I want and this is what I don't want. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to be willing to kind of admit your mistakes too. I think a lot of people say like. I have no regrets. I don't regret anything. Everything mm-hmm. I did led me to where I am, which is true, but it's so foolish when you think about it to be like, yeah. I have no regrets. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Do you mean that? Nice sentiment. Because that's like saying you didn't learn from your mistakes. Like, I don't regret those years I spent doing drugs instead mm-hmm. of like, you know, furthering yeah. my education. I mean, you got to have regrets. And if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're denying that, you know, you wish you had done something, like mm-hmm. you're just being unrealistic with yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of regrets and I've made mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes and I've learned from them all and they've mm-hmm. shaped me, you know? And right. even just moving with the military, I'm like, I don't want a house like that. I don't want a house like that. Like, all these things shape, like, okay, this is what I really want. Now that I've had all these other experiences, I know that I want a single level. I don't want to walk up and down stairs. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to open floor up land like I thought right. I did. You mm-hmm. know, like, so many mm-hmm. things that all these experiences shape who you are and they all teach you something yeah. you know but it's okay it's awesome to have a partner who's like that you can do that way that you can argue with but mm-hmm. also that's like different than you you know yeah. my husband and I when we took that Myers-Briggs thing we're like opposite <laughs> totally opposite letters in every category and I'm mm-hmm. like this explains so much of like why we butt heads on things <laughs> yeah but it's really cool because it's a really great balance you know mm-hmm. like I am like a scatterbrain my mind is always in the clouds mm-hmm. I'm always thinking of 
fun things we should be doing. I don't want to do laundry and cook mm-hmm. and go to the grocery store. Yeah. That's what, you know, but I mean, you got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. But, yes. um, and he's the one that's so grounded and, mm-hmm. you know, serious and, you know, work can clean the kitchen in five minutes, what takes me 30 minutes. I mean, he's just very driven, right. you know, and I'm just kind of like, woo. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really great balance. And I think, um, and we have different interests and he has his hobbies and mm-hmm. I have my hobbies, you know, mm-hmm. and he'll go off and do jujitsu and go surfing and I'll say, go, go do your thing, mm-hmm. go have fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I go off and I do my, you know, my writer's meetings or, you know, my film short nights yeah. and different things like that and he'll come jump into my world some and I'll jump into his world some but it's really good that we have like and the military probably created some of that that we mm. have kind of separate identities sure. which is cool mm-hmm. you know I mean he's gone a lot and I have time to you know do my thing and he does the things he loves to do and mm-hmm. but we're still like together you know we're definitely yeah. not codependent on each other I mm. don't need him to survive and he doesn't need me but mm-hmm. But you do. And that's one yeah. of the hard things about military life is when I tell people, like, mm. it's such a weird thing. I actually wrote a little thing about this. I'll have to do something with it. But uh. it's such a weird thing to have marriage in the military because you have to be ready to to not need your spouse when mm. they go for months at a time or a year at a time. Like, if you can't handle that and if you can't live without that person, mm-hmm. then you're not going to make it. Your marriage isn't going to make it. Mm-hmm. You got, like If you're going to fall apart because you can't fix your car or you can't handle the kids every night by yourself or whatever, like so many people throw in the towel, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. whatever reason. Or they're not getting that emotional what they need and they cheat or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if, if they need their spouse that bad, they're not going to make it. Right. But then when they come home, so you have to kind of train yourself like, I can do this without them. You know, I can do it without them. Mm-hmm. I can manage all these things. You know, the distancing is fine enough for communication, whatever. Mm-hmm. I got this. I can live independently. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they come back, you have to be like, I, I need you. Yeah. I need you in all of these areas. And and it's hard because you've figured out how to do it all on your own. You mm-hmm. know, you figured out, I can do this. I can fix the car. I can pay all the bills. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. The kids go to bed at this time. Stop dragging it out. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you have to kind of let go of that control that you had over your life and your mm-hmm. family. And so there's a constant back and forth of, okay, I don't need you. And mm-hmm. now I have to turn my brain and my heart on to, I need you. Right. To, I don't need you. And there's a constant, this, wow. you know, push and pull, mm-hmm. which is hard to manage, but every every successful military marriage they do it over and over and over again Mm -hmm. which is something cool to kind of explore you know yeah I know Stephanie Lewis was kind of exploring some of that and it'd be fun to Mm. talk with her and maybe get like a monologue set together or something because Mm -hmm. there's some really interesting stories Mm -hmm. hiding behind all these people you know absolutely I've spent time in um, like mentoring women's groups in the military okay and um, to hear the stories that come from these wives young wives of their husbands that are gone Mm -hmm. you know that their husbands have coming home and they have PTSD. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes abuse is happening. Just, you know, infidelity. All sorts of crazy things that these families are dealing with. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they have the support they need, you know? Yeah. Um, it'd be kind of cool just to get that, find a safe place to kind of get that out and get these people, you know, feeling like they have some support mm-hmm. um, just for the sake of marriage, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with The Moth? No. Uh, it's a show on NPR and also has a podcast uh, component where it's just people, they have events around the country, around the world uh, in some cases, where um, it can be either like an open mic night where people throw their names into a hat and get picked to go up and tell a story, or they have people already set up to come tell stories. And uh, the, like there's usually themes for the night, or it could be like an open mic thing and, and just be whatever. Um, but 
the whole thing is they're they're telling stories from their lives um, up on stage without notes. Wow. That's their thing. Uh, you know, we tell stories live without notes. Uh, wow. But that's not to say without preparation. Yeah. But it's something I've always wanted to see. There, there's so many things I want to see oh, in let's Hawaii. Do one. Let's that's do what it. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, like I actually like the host. Uh, we follow each other on Instagram. Um, forget. Oh, jeez, forget his first name. Kennedy. Something Kennedy. Jack Kennedy. No, that's the president. James. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay, anyway, got it. super cool guy. And like, you know, so we, we've, we've actually conversed a little bit. I was like, what would it take to get the moth out here? And he's like, are you a producer? Have you done this kind of thing? I was like, nope. And then the conversation kind of ended after oh, that. Um, that was a couple of years ago, but now I'm like in a place where I can do anything yeah. and, um, just need to find someone to link up with yeah. and, and make it happen. But oh, what you're talking you. about, like, yeah. I don't know if we would be like officially sanctioned by them, but maybe it could be like to show that we can put an event like that yeah. together. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd like be groovy. A little indie version of it. Yeah, totally. We need yeah. to talk about this offline. Um, okay, for sure. You guys don't need to hear this. Yeah. But I mean, it's, we'll put it out into the yeah, world. <laughs> later when it's ready. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, those are like, and also as you were talking about that, I was kind of seeing it as, you know, a movie. Because you mentioned. Uh, Stephanie, um, her film, The Waiting Game. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it. I don't know quite what it's about, but I assume, from what I've gathered through imagery and, and publicity materials, yeah. um, a wife waiting for her husband to come home. I think it's a few different wives that oh. are kind of. It just kind of shows the you know the hardships of mm-hmm. military life, military marriage, and family. So okay, um, pretty realistic. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's a story that's not often told. Yeah. And the whole PTSD thing, too. Mm, you know, um, mm-hmm. Dennis Willis and I talked about doing something like that, but it would take more than a 48-hour film challenge to do. But <laughs> sure. getting together, um, you know, so many of these guys that come back and they're either, mm-hmm. you know, medically discharged or, mm. you know, they're out for whatever reason and still struggling so hard with mm-hmm. PTSD. And they're so quiet about it because there's not really a place to do it. And if you're in, yeah. you're still in the military, yeah. you don't, you better not talk about it. You know, yeah, I mean, it's like... Awful. Yeah, I mean, it's just really hard, and these guys feel this sense of, like, that they shouldn't feel this way, Mm -hmm. and that if they report anything, they're going to be denif, and they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be able to do their job or whatever, people are going to view them as weak, and Mm -hmm. um, so there's not a ton of resources. I mean, they say there are, but Mm. to take advantage of that just feels very vulnerable. So, Mm -hmm. So a place where, even if it's, like, anonymously, they write something, and then somebody else performs their monologue for them, just to get their voices Mm. out there so people can see... You know, what happens when they come home and what they're dealing with yeah. and how it changes their family and to hear the wife stories and, mm-hmm. you know, kids stories even. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I like comedy, but I also really love people, yeah. you know, and I want, you know, this kind of stuff needs to be heard, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to to work on something like that, too. Oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, that's, that's like one of those natural pauses oh this is only seven minutes since we started oh we're at an hour seven minutes okay. wow that's pretty good yeah time is flowing by yeah. um let me see what actual time it is oh it's not too bad um are you in a hurry to go anywhere nope i'm good groovy yeah. um i do like to talk about god and faith um because that's been a, an important part yeah. of my life i'm still trying to figure out how to spin it into a way that's original because I'm still kind of ripping off some of my favorite podcasts yeah. uh, that have inspired this. You Made It Weird and Inside of You uh, with Michael Rosenbaum. Um, but uh, yeah, You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. He always likes to talk about God as the last thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be the last thing, but um, yeah. So you mentioned God in, in your, in your yeah. just in your talking right now. I've, I've kind of picked up on that through our yeah. Facebook interactions yeah. also. 
Um, so yeah, what's your, what's your story with? Um, with so I was not. Uh, my parents kind of were like nothing. I was not raised oh. in a Christian home or any sort of religious home whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a teenager, I just really felt. I was always just seeking mm. God, you know, like I know, like I had a piece of me missing and I was looking for that missing piece, mm-hmm. you know? God-shaped hole? Yes. <laughs> There's one in all of us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a song you guys probably don't know, but we're going to know all these old ones. Oh, um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I did a lot of reading. I was kind of like an academic kid and um, I did a lot of reading on every religion mm. and witchcraft and all sorts of crazy things. Um, and then I heard someone tell me the gospel for the first time when I heard it I instantly knew that was what I'd been searching for my mm. whole life you know mm-hmm. um, it just everything about it made sense to me mm-hmm. um, it answered all of my questions mm-hmm. about why does this stuff happen in the world and blah 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 like oh. you know it was everything it mm-hmm. was everything so um, so I made that decision when I was about 16 years old mm-hmm. And I did a lot of stupid stuff after that. I uh, mean, I tried everything. I did. I'm one of those people that wants to like experience life to the fullest. So yeah. I was like, well, they look like this is this looks really fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, you know. And I did a bunch of stupid stuff and wasted years of my life doing mm-hmm. that. But the whole time I knew what the truth was and mm-hmm. that that was the truth. And mm-hmm. I just wasn't living it. But I was, you know, yeah. just trying things, you know. And of course, they left me empty and miserable and wasted <laughs> a bunch of my life. Mm-hmm. But we all learn the hard way, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at least us stubborn people learn, <laughs> learn yes. things the hard way. Mm-hmm. So, um, DC talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So there was a time when I just made bad choices in life, and then I decided, you know what? The only time that I felt purpose and I felt contentment and I felt joy and I felt hope hmm. was when I was walking with God. Hmm. I'm going to try that again. And hmm. thankfully, God is so awesome that he just welcomes us back with open arms. Is like, of course, come on back. We've missed you, you know? And mm-hmm. everybody that's in your whole family is like, yeah, you know, family of believers. Is mm-hmm. jumps right back in around you. And um, and I've been walking that path ever since. And it's awesome. And, I'm, you know, my kids, it's just so... It's so awesome to have hope, you know, in a mm-hmm. world that's like really lacking hope, you know. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know that I have a bigger purpose, that there is a happy ending, that I'm made for, that I know what my worth is, like, mm-hmm. despite what other people tell me. And I think that as a child, when my dad left our family and, you know, all of this stuff happened to me in college and all this stuff, that like, you can really get beaten down as a person and feel like I'm worth nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, really, I'm worth nothing. Mm-hmm. And whatever I have is worth is like on the outside and, you know, just seeking this love and affection. And then you come to the realization that I have worth. Mm-hmm. I have worth outside of all of this or what people think or say about me, mm-hmm. that I am. I have so much worth. And it's, it's despite anything I could do or say, it's despite all my mistakes that I am, I have worth just in myself because of who made me and who I belong to. Mm. And that's like such an amazing thing to feel and to remember when you're feeling like, crap you know mm-hmm. and then like you're just like I know what my worth is I know who I am and I think if you don't have God in your life it's hard to say I know who I am and I know what my worth is you know mm. like it's just been it, he's amazing you know mm. I mean he really does give you everything you've ever sought in life in a way that you totally didn't expect mm-hmm. and so much more and better than you could ever expect you know mm-hmm. so everything else in my life is kind of like a side detail you know like I do mm. these things but that's not who I am and that's not what my worth is or what my, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what um, <clears throat> like teachers are, um, do you like listen to or read? You know, I think when I first started like coming back to God after my college years, um, you know, after taking philosophy classes that tell you God is dead and all of this other stuff, and you're like, oh, I was so stupid to believe all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and then to realize that there are actual real academics in the field that you can study and that are actually know what they're talking about, that you don't mm. feel like you were fooled, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis has been a huge mm-hmm. influence on my life. Mm-hmm. His books are amazing. He did not start out as a Christian. He came mm-hmm. as an adult by hanging out with... Um, J.R. Tolkien. Yes, yep. which is really cool yeah. to know that these two academics are sitting in wherever they sat in England. What's that college? Uh, it was Oxford. Oxford or something. trying to think of the, the tavern. I don't remember the tavern. Yeah, and having these yeah. conversations and to know that two academics can sit together and come to this conclusion together that God is real mm-hmm. and this is true, you mm-hmm. know? So to read his books and just how he paints it in such a beautiful picture yeah. through the Chronicles of Narnia, through mm-hmm. Mere Christianity, which is a great book for someone who's like, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like if you read that, you'll be like, okay, it's not so stupid, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started reading with that and then um, I love Ravi Zacharias. I don't mm. know if you've heard him. I've heard him. He's mm-hmm. super sharp. I mean, he can answer any question like why do bad things happen to good people? Things mm-hmm. like that that you're like, this is stupid. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, all these people are terrible, which I hate too because like, I don't know, in today's time, like Christians are like the bad people. You know, there's always somebody that's bad or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, when it's like mm-hmm. they're, they're bigots or they're hypocrites or they're, I mean, like everybody's a hypocrite, really. Like no matter who you are, everybody's sure. going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, Christians aren't going to be perfect. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but they're also like, you know, they can get put in this box of, you know, I don't, I don't know, that they don't love like they really do love. Like a true mm-hmm. Christian really loves. We love Muslims. We love gay people. We love immigrants. We love like if you love like Jesus love, you love everybody, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a difference that people see maybe, you know, in some aspects of the church or people who aren't really following Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that that puts the church in a bad light, you know, mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. <laughs> but really, you know, like a true Christian, like I'm a Christian, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to love people no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to do stupid things and sometimes, but... I hope people are still seeing like God in me. That's my mm-hmm. mission is to like shine light, you know. Yeah. You know. Do you, Do you feel like um, Christianity is the only way to eternal life, or do you see it as a way that works for you? Oh, that's a good question, Cliff. Um, <laughs> you know, like I said, I studied all of these different texts, and I've still mm-hmm. studied them to this day. Last year, I lived in Alabama, and I did a. I guess you would say a study of religion with a bunch of my Muslim friends. Mm. Friends from, you know, Pakistan and Malaysia, mm-hmm. and I had friends from Europe and Japan, and we mm-hmm. all got together to talk about everything we believed mm-hmm. um, and just kind of share. So we read the Quran, we read the Bible, mm-hmm. we, you know, we studied together because mm-hmm. we're women who are, who want to know more. Like, mm-hmm. we don't want to just be told stuff. I think everybody right. should be, like, studying on their own Absolutely. to decide what they believe. And mm-hmm. if you're not sure, like, read it and say, mm-hmm. do I agree with that or not? Mm-hmm. You know, it's up to, to the individual to decide. Mm-hmm. When I read the Bible, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me and I believe it. Mm-hmm. I don't consider it a work of fiction. So I think that, you know, there's some people that want to pick and choose bits of the Bible. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I really like this and I really like how Jesus said this and this, mm-hmm. but this is terrible, so we're not going to believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, it, it, you don't read it as a work of fiction and nonfiction. Oops. You read it as like, either I believe it's true or it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like kind of true. I don't mm-hmm. I don't pick and choose what I like about it and mm-hmm. throw it out because it rubs me the wrong way, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I believe that it's true, 
then I believe that Jesus is the way to eternal life. Because mm-hmm. that's what it says. You know, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. So for me, if I'm reading this book as true, okay. That's the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. I know that I, I can't get myself there because I'm a screw-up. And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we all are. And that's totally fine. And I'm not like saying we're not worth anything because obviously I think we have great worth, you know? Mm-hmm. But we can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. We can't get there alone. Yeah. We can't do enough things to weigh a scale because there is no scale. Like, mm-hmm. and if there was and the standard was perfection, mm-hmm. we're, <laughs> we're never going to be, we're never going to meet that, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how hard we try because mm-hmm. the standard is perfection. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I mean, it, it makes sense. And, but it, it's such a cool thing. It's not exclusive because Jesus says like anybody, 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 mm-hmm. like you don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be Gentile. Whoever wants to come and believe in me and like believe that I, I gave myself up for you mm-hmm. so that you could live eternally mm-hmm. can go. Like it's not exclusive. And some people say it is exclusive. There's a mm-hmm. lot of religions that are exclusive and they mm-hmm. give you giant to-do lists of you better do this, this, and this and behave like this, this, and this. If you don't, you're mm-hmm. going down, you know, mm-hmm. which people don't really talk about those aspects of other religions, you know. Mm-hmm. They just say, well, Christianity is exclusive. And you're like, but, yeah. but look what these guys are saying. Like this is way <laughs> harder to do, you uh-huh. know. Um, you know, and every religion is different. I love my friends that are in those too. So, but as far as exclusivity, it's not at all. I mean, he's mm. got totally open arms. It's like, all you got to do is just take this gift I'm giving you. It's a free mm-hmm. gift. It's my life. It's yours. Put it on you and you, you know, and you can, you can have it. You can be with me for eternity. It's like, okay. Mm. But we want to all feel like we could, we like earned it, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, but I'm also must do this and this and all, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to start doing these things. And it's like. But then it's not about him. It's about you again. You're making everything about you. And mm-hmm. like you want to be able to get there and be like, I did this and I gave to the poor and I adopted a baby from Africa. You mm-hmm. know, and like that's not what it's about. It's not mm-hmm. about you. You don't earn your way to heaven so that you can brag and be like, look at all the things I did. It's like I did absolutely nothing and I mm-hmm. was kind of screwed up every day of my life. And because of God's grace, I'm here, mm-hmm. which is kind of awesome. And I love that about Christianity. It's, it's like it's open for everybody, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What about you? I grew up in the church. Yeah. Um, what kind of church? Uh, da, 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 evangelical. Okay. <clears throat> the Christian Missionary Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of very much into missions uh, and such. Um, wasn't a well. I enjoyed the social aspects. I remember as a kid, uh, but wasn't really into it until high school, uh, middle school, high school. When I got to join the youth group, and. Uh, Cause that's, you know, my sister is four years older than me. So she was, she was in it and uh, it just seemed so cool. So cool. <laughs> it's the coolest, uh, ever. Um, so being able to get involved with that and our, our pastor would sometimes sit down with us and answer questions. And, uh, I don't remember any questions specifically I asked. I remember when I was like eight, I asked him, he was like brand new to our church and we were doing communion and I asked him, why can't we use, if, if they use wine in the Bible and we're using grape juice, why not cherry Coke? Why not? Can't we use That's cherry coke for point, a communion? That tastes a lot better yeah. than fruit juice. What now, say? he said, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> it's like no one has ever, way to think outside the box, Cliff. Thanks. Ever yeah. asked that before. <laughs> um, nowadays, I would, I'd be happy with wine. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, so I so started getting to middle school, high school, and I, I, I also had a, a searching heart because um, I wanted to know more about, you know, this this being apparently this this person uh, somewhere in the universe who controls everything and if he controls everything like is he making me do this right now with my finger mm-hmm. um is you know what's the deal and um then getting into well that that just started kind of broadening i guess my 
my my experience, my I don't know what. But I started developing a guilt complex. Uh, well, I say complex, for lack of a better term or understanding, um, to the point where like uh, when when thunderstorms would like blow up, I would go for a walk to stay away from the house in case God would strike me with lightning so he wouldn't hit the rest of my family. So you had like a fear of God. Yeah. 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 But then freshman, after my freshman year of high school, oh, actually what really like got, got my faith going was uh, when we moved, uh, eighth grade. Yes. After eighth grade, we were set to move to Georgia and I did not want to move to Georgia. So every opportunity I had to give a prayer request I would say pray that we don't move to Georgia and this is like a year out that we we had uh, as far as lead time I can see where this is going <laughs> um, and then uh, so yeah yeah Wednesday nights Sunday mornings Sunday school Sunday evenings when we would have uh, youth group meetings and Sunday nights um, any chance I got anyone who would listen I'd say pray we don't move to Georgia and then we moved to Georgia mm-hmm. and then I just started like writing letters taking phone calls like pray we move back and there was you know so when the day came I kind of expected it I kind of knew it I could just see you know in retrospect I, I, I realized I could just see what was happening like mm-hmm. my dad was secure in his new job and he was kind of digging it he was very good at it uh, and he wasn't getting any offers or uh, anything for anything else you know, there, there were no other viable options like all signs pointed to Atlanta and so even though I continued to pray against it I was like Okay, mm-hmm. saw this coming, mm-hmm. but um, that doesn't mean we can't go back. Mm-hmm. And so I just never had a doubt in my mind that we would come back. A few months later, we're back. Cool, good job. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that's some you know uh, someone a family friend said that that's praying in faith, never having any doubt. I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then that summer, so this is after freshman year of high school. Now um, the the Christian Missionary Alliance has a big international youth conference every three years uh 95 it was in orlando and the first time i had a a spiritual experience like a legit where i felt the touch of god Mm -hmm. um it was a uh, one of the towards about halfway through and there was this guy speaking um jacob aranza i don't know if you've Mm -hmm. heard of him um very charismatic uh, speaker, and he was he was speaking in terms that I had never heard before. He's talking about growing up in the in the barrio of Houston or Dallas or something. He's a Mexican descent, mm. and his mom was a hooker, and dad was nowhere on the scene, and um, just very frank terms about his life and how he came to know Christ and all this. And it was very intriguing, like just very like wow. And you could just you know the the I don't know what the feeling was in the air. It was just palpable. Of like everyone was hooked on what this guy was saying, and then um, you know, then started getting real and talking about us and you know what it means to stand up for for Jesus and live for live your life for. He says you can die for anything, but it's 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 hard to live for something. Mm, it's like funny. wow, that's true. Yeah, 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 it is actually true. Um, and so uh, then it came time for the uh, the responses and altar calls and stuff, and he said if you've been if you've been living life up to this point where you say you love God, but you haven't been living for him, stand up. And without even, I didn't even know I was standing up, but I was the only one in my group standing up. And then I was like, I looked around and I saw everyone else sitting down. like, Hey guys. (laughs) Wait, what did he say? Did I? Oh shoot. And I sat back down. Uh, But it was too late at that point. Like, um, then I don't, I don't remember what happened after that. All I know is, well, the details are fuzzy, but I just remember we were all, 
like as he was talking like you know just i just felt this weight this inexplicable weight lifted from my soul and every almost everyone was like just you know bawling like we love jesus and you know holy spirit come upon me and all this stuff and it was it was great it was amazing uh that was my yeah my first time where i felt loved Mm -hmm. i guess uh or forgiven Mm -hmm. yeah because that's that's the big thing you know repent and be forgiven Mm -hmm. um so that's the first time i really felt that and uh, then I didn't know really what else to do, you know, so I started reading books, all the books. <sighs> They're interesting. They're good. Started getting into spiritual warfare, um, piercing the darkness, this present darkness. Did you read those? You're not missing much. I mean, they're interesting, but they kind of help spur fear. Yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, people who say, like, uh, think, you know, oh, there could be a demon sitting on the chair yeah. right next to you right now. Yeah. So what if there is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or there could be angels all around us. Like, cool. How does yeah. that change my yeah. life right now? You know, this is all, you know, like 20 years removed yeah. um, from from all that. But, yeah, just, just that. And then uh, these books about how you need to do certain things to, you know, prove your faith and uh, to become a, a good workman. Uh, oh, that's the one is approved workman. Yeah. I forget what the rest of it stands for. But um, <laughs> yeah, it uh, started really getting into the do's and don'ts. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I want to be a good Christian. I want to be a good yeah. person. And that's where everybody falls short. That's where everybody screws up. They first make that decision and then they start saying, okay, I got to quit smoking. I got to quit drinking. I got to quit swearing. Yeah. I got to do all this stuff. And then they mm-hmm. can't do it. And then they're like, I'm a second Christian. I quit. You well, know? that's where a big faction of the church falters. Yeah. And that's where they get the reputation they've got now is because yeah. they do say that like gay is a sin. You need to pray away the gay yeah. or, you know, the smoking is bad. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Smoking, you want smoke, go to hell and where, where there's abundant smoke yeah. and uh, contribute there. And, um, yeah, that was just a message I, I started getting, um, over and over. It's like, you just need to pray more. You need to do more. Like and if I, you just try harder. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't until, therapy so this was 95 when i had this first experience and it, it was a genuine experience it was great i don't mm-hmm. uh dismiss it yeah. at all yeah. it, was, it was very it was a, a touchstone i yeah. guess in my life and you know there were subsequent experiences like that and um you know i got to the point where i was kind of chasing the experience yeah which is understandable but not a, a great thing um because like you said joy is an in, yeah. inherent it's it's a it's a core characteristic I've come to learn it's outside of circumstances and situation exactly when we feel something like that we want that all the time but that's Mm -hmm. not daily life that's not how it goes and Mm -hmm. then you have to learn how to live through the daily Mm -hmm. without that high and that feeling of like absolutely I can feel God with me because there's Mm -hmm. so many days you don't and Mm -hmm. that's where like faith comes in like okay I just have to really believe that he's here even when Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling it you know Oswald Chambers yeah did you read him yes I almost first highest yeah Um, I remember, yeah, one of his things is like, you know, there's the day to day, there's the grind, there's the trudging. It's not all mountaintops. Mm -hmm. And even to get to the mountaintop, it's a lot of work and whatever. But um, yeah, so fast forward, college. Have you ever heard of the author John Fisher? Mm -mm. Okay. Um, He just happened. He he wrote a couple books. Towards my senior year, I was starting the skepticism was starting to build up. Like I was starting to see like um, there's got to be more to it 
than this. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was a kid in high school who bought like you know the um, provocative Christian T-shirts that you know had like you know anti well imagery you wouldn't associate with Christianity to be edgy, yeah. you know, and then a yeah. Bible verse in this weird font. And yeah, and I had a shirt that said like "Body Piercing Save My Life" and it oh! had like Christ palms on it. Yeah. I've never heard that, that before. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, Things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like try to like have every conversation Christ centered or, yeah. you know, like, oh, all these lost souls. I must step up or and like, or help like throwing save them. out all your non Christian CDs. Yes. I, I hated smashed them with a hammer. Like, oh, wow. And now I'm like, you know what? Like, that was good stuff. Yeah, you know, Paul Simon's pretty those good. Are my, those are my karaoke songs now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I threw out the Lion King soundtrack. Because it was because at that time I was understood like it's it's new age. It talks about the circle of life and not eternal life. And this yeah. is this is uh, can't have that. No, no. yeah. So Don't you know Disney's the devil, anyways. Come yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, towards high school, started getting uh, end of high school skeptical. Asked this author who happened to be at a conference in town, should I go to a Bible school or a secular school? And it's like, well, what do you want to accomplish in life? I want to see what my, my faith is really made of. It's like, go to the secular school. So oh. I went to the secular school and found out, like, outside of the bubble, outside of everything, it's like, I don't really believe all this stuff. Or as much of it, mm-hmm. you know. Like, it's always been the thread of, of Jesus and the message of love and acceptance. Um, that's always been there. Um, but everything else, you know, at the time I saw it as a failure in myself. Mm-hmm. I saw it as like, I don't believe all, all this stuff. I'm not a good person. I'm, I'm awful. And so I started getting into a nice cycle of self-loathing and mm-hmm. such. And um, instead of, you know, doing stuff to, you know, stuff you're not supposed to do as a Christian um, because I, I wanted to, I did it because I was just trying to numb that mm-hmm. feeling and escape it. I didn't get into drinking until after I was 21, ironically. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> and then even then, didn't even really get drunk until I was like 28 or something. Wow. Um, no, actually, no, I take that back. 22, 23. It's the first time I had weed also. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of anyway. all happens at once. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. well, I already threw it in. Might as well just go all the way. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so then, then just got into a cycle of, um, you know, the self-loathing and whatever, and then like finding Jesus again and coming back up and, you know, doing great, leading Bible studies and everything. And like, this is the way we really got to do it. And um, then cycling back down and up and down and up and down. And then through a series of failed uh, relationships, uh, that's, that was what really spurred me into therapy. And that was the first time I uh, really got into um Manning, Brennan Manning, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Mm-hmm. Really good book. Um, and uh, first time I felt like I can be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I am okay. And uh, my therapist just helped me walk through a lot of stuff. Didn't fix me, mm-hmm. but uh, gave me the tools to deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, then that, through a series of things, met a girl, kind of felt... And she was, she was in the church and looking back, you know, could have done things differently. I was still trying to figure out who I was. What it really wasn't ready for a relationship, mm-hmm. I thought. But my therapist was like, when are you ready for a relationship? I was like, I don't know. Go for it. Go. But, but do it. You know, let's, let's be appropriate about this, you know. And, you know, because there is a certain way of doing things, I guess, uh, for certain people. And um, so, yeah, pursued her for a while. Ended up pursuing her to Ohio. And uh, for a few months, it was, it was kind of great, but not really great. And because again, I didn't know what I wanted yeah. out of life. I didn't know. I didn't know who I was. 
I think that's what you need at the very least is is a sense of purpose, a direction um, before committing yourself to someone else. Yeah. That I, is kind of helpful. Think. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily agree with the thing about you have to be whole, but you kind of have to know who you're about or at least hook up with someone who's willing to go on that journey with you. Yeah, that's the truth. Because yeah. you never arrive. Yeah. You know, you never get there. Um, there's, it's just, you know, one checkpoint after another. Yeah. Uh, you know, the finish line is in the graveyard. Yeah. That's, that's it. Um, then you're done. Um, so... Yeah, so it's 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 just been it's been up and down, yeah. um, through skepticism, through embracing. Um, when the Ohio girl and I finally broke up, you know, this was like three years of work into this relationship, and I, that was my purpose. Yeah, and all of a sudden it was gone, and I, I've never felt rock bottom like that yeah. before. I mean, there were a couple of days where I just didn't, I didn't want to go on living. Mm-hmm. That scared me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was, I was like, I, you know, I was, I was, you know, crying out to God, not getting nothing. Just, just this emptiness, just this despair and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, you know, not to discount, discount it, discount it, yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, even though they were, you know, it, it's, it's all about point of view, you know, yeah. it's the Jedi way, yeah. you know, it's a, from a certain point of view, it's, you know, the soul crushing thing from when you're at the bottom of these feelings and in them and they're awful. But, you know, looking back, you're like, oh, those were just feelings. Yeah. You know, they're not, you know, again, not just feelings, but, yeah. you know, on the best Seemed side. Seemed huge at the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I got, I, by the grace of God, I made it through, mm-hmm. um, through, through the grace of, of, of friends, mm-hmm. um, an old family friend then, you know, once I started getting through all that she was like you should look into the military and so that's how I wound up in the Navy and then started experiencing that's when the world view started to crack open uh, and you know just being around mostly much younger folks in my um, uh, I forget what it's called section or whatever mm-hmm. at boot camp and then just from all their diverse backgrounds and everything and it was just totally like started opening up my mind about people mm-hmm. about humanity and then a school similarly getting back out into freedom because you know like when you go into boot camp it's like going back into a womb kind yeah, of like, like childhood you're, yeah you're, you're every cut aspect off. is control exactly yeah. exactly um, you you go to the bathroom when you're told to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. you cannot ask to go to the bathroom you yeah uh, unless it's an emergency because no one wants to clean that up <laughs> um, but yeah um, that just I don't I don't know uh, I feel like I'm rambling here where was I up and down up and down. Um, when I was in Maryland, because uh, that's where I did a school at Fort Meade, I uh, went to Joshua Harris's church. I forget what it's called. Oh, he's the one that wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's hard to do. Yes. When I met him, I was like, you seem like a great guy, but your first book ruined my dating life. You know, and you know, tongue in cheek. Like, I heard he edited it since then and realized, because he wrote that when he was in his young 20s, and he yeah. said, I realized that was totally unrealistic, mm-hmm. and now he's put out a whole new thing, but like, yeah. nobody can do that stuff, really. So, yeah. 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 And great guy, great, great pastor and whatnot. But I was, I was trying to, you know, there's still just this, this draw to get back into a system, mm-hmm. you know, a set of rules to follow, um, you know, compartments, boxes and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's just not how life is. And what finally, well, getting out here, started getting uh, linked up with a church. Um, one of my first mission to Southeast Asia in Laos, um, that, that was my first time in a Eastern country. And then among, um, working with these villagers, we would take 
first we stayed in this one town um, that was, I don't know, not impoverished, but not a bustling city, mm-hmm. you know, dirt roads, um, open air, everything pretty much. And um, then we would take a helicopter about 40 minutes to an even more remote village in a valley where the only electricity they had was a generator that they ran six hours a day and nothing else. Like they had, they had some, some of the kids had cell phones um, just for, for music, I guess, uh, and whatnot. It was a you know, one or two days walk to get supplies of, of any type from a, the next closest place. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was amazing. And just you know, experiencing these people you know, without God. There was a part of me inside that was like, this is a mission trip. You have to evangelize. And of course, I could have gotten arrested if I did that. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, that there's that little voice. Where I was like, eh, shut up. Just enjoy the experience. Let's let's just see what this is like. Yeah. And they were great people. Yeah. They were so awesome, so so lovely, so yeah. loving. Um, yeah, and uh, that it just, just kind of like throws you for a loop at first. Absolutely. Right? Like, mm-hmm. What these are the people that are like you know, that are lost, that are like God's enemy. And then yeah. you see them and you're like, I love them. Yeah. I love them a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that just started like, you know, working in my brain. Um, and then what fast forwarding more to like what real, like the, 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 the real change, I guess, was when I, I did get married and, uh, she was a pastor's daughter. And so I thought we were on the same page. Uh, as far as, as that goes but turns out I took it I don't want to say more seriously if, if, if that's what I say that's not that's to the detriment yeah. of the relationship um, because you know in everything I knew about being married they you know it's, it was advocated that you that your wife have maybe have like no male friends um, or you know like no one on one time with the opposite sex mm-hmm. and that went for me also and when I asked her to do that, she was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but, but th- they say this. And yeah. she's like, no. And so that was just one thing. Um, and again, I wasn't, you know, totally, well, I guess I was sure of myself, but still hoping in putting my hope in the rules and, yeah, and, yeah. and whatnot. And there's a whole lot of other stuff to that. And, you know, two sides, it's the same story, but I was not doing the relationship any favors. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, what was it, six months after it started, it was done. And, um, you know, by that point, I, you know, again, saw the writing on the wall. And um, once it was like final, I was like, okay. I took the weekend and I, you know, mourned it, cried for it. And then I reactivated my date profiles. Yes. And because, you know, it had been six months tonight since like, I had seen her. I don't want to waste her. any time. Yeah, yeah. It had been that long since I had even, you know, yeah. seen her and um, had a lot of pent up energy yeah. and um, you know like everything that I, I thought I knew about relationships from the church was just like whoosh out the window yeah. like let's just live life let's do this I mean not getting any younger yeah. um, and Uh-oh. so um, you know explored <laughs> <laughs> just leave it at that huh? yeah um, and um, you know I didn't you know th- I had a period of time where I, I I don't know, didn't, didn't like throw out God with all that necessarily, mm-hmm. but you know, a fundamental understanding of relationships, yeah. um, you know, I was just like, forget it. You know, where did that get me? Yeah, a bunch of heartache. Exactly. It's like that. Yeah. yeah. It didn't do anything for me. I tried that way. It didn't work. I'm going to try something different. Yeah. And, yeah. and then when I met Jenny, um, you know, pretty much instant connection. 
Um, she's 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 great. She's amazing. Um, from from the first date, we just had a lot of fun together. But she only went to Catholic school. She didn't go to church. She was not. Ne- she didn't necessarily believe the same way I believed. And so, even though we were having a great time together, there was that part of me that was like, oh, yeah, oh, I don't know. And so. Before I went off to Germany, I told her, like, I don't know if it's going to work because we're not compatible in this one little thing. And she was just kind of like, all this. And you're upset about this. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, to her credit, oh, my goodness. Um, she, I don't remember who. I think she said she wanted to keep in contact. So, But I initiated it after the fact, like when I was in Germany and stuff. And, um and uh, started listening to more podcasts. Um, started getting into, well, actually, it's before Rob, no, Rob Bell, yeah. Um, and, you know, before, prior to all this, like, he was like the Antichrist, yeah. basically. Um, you know, it was this very controversial, progressive topics, but it's like, well, all that stuff, who said he's evil didn't work. Let's take, let's give him an ear. Let's, let's listen to him a little bit. And it was actually um, the Pete Holmes had a very similar thing and uh, he went through a divorce and crisis of faith and whatnot and he's been exploring it and it's, it's really a great journey to listen to and I just identified with so much of it and so it's been weird the last few years and just now coming to the point of well did I say just now in the last year or two um, actually in the last month or two with this <laughs> development like coming back to you know the, the, the framework with the titles and the names like God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, um, Christ and all this but with a different understanding um, where, where I do believe that we need to experience forgiveness one thing I learned early on like even when I was a teenager and dealing with guilt is like I was told that yeah Jesus forgives you but you also need to be able to forgive yourself and that's been boiling in my brain and like if if I just need to forgive myself then why do I need this other forgiveness and I'm kind of arriving at the conclusion like even though they seem paradoxical I think they're the same Um, and Thomas Merton even in his book uh, No Man is an Island which really great uh, he says that the journey of discovery of God is the journey of discovery of self mm-hmm. and like really really get into it like the Bible says God is omniscient omnipresent he has no form he has no shape he has no gender we just say he because that's the historical context mm-hmm. in which the Bible was written was patriarchal mm-hmm. um, so there is no limits to this this God and like um, and I just read the first two pages of a Dietrich Bonhoeffer book. I wish I, I need to read the, the rest of it. <laughs> but just this one <laughs> idea, <laughs> this one idea in the first two pages just blew my mind. Uh, like God spoke to create everything mm-hmm. because that's all God is. And I'm really not getting getting it right. But the, yeah. the gist I took away from it is like that's all God is, is, is words and ideas, a framework of ideas. And that's not necessarily to say people came up with the idea but maybe this this idea maybe just the governing principles of the universe congealed and synthesized into this one well even this one thing is like not able to contain it all but i don't even know where, I know. where to it's go mind-blowing it's <laughs> it's, like... yeah yeah so so not to not to um 
say anything is necessarily wrong or false, but just just where I'm arriving at uh, currently is um, like there is a god and um, Richard Rohr, another guy um, who's a a, a monk, um, a friar. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, he, he's written a couple of groovy books. Um, he talks about the cosmic Christ. And the cosmic Christ is what they talk about, what Paul talks about, um, the, 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 the life force that um, keeps everything going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't remember the verse, but you know, it talks about like basically like everything continues to happen by the will of God. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's easy to say, well, you know, what if God's capricious then? And, you know, everything, you know when someone dies then so god stopped willing that uh well not necessarily um it's just an aspect you know like life happens death mm-hmm. happens and now i am rambling for sure <laughs> um but um that's that's where i'm at yeah yeah so i i i i have gotten comfortable again with using god jesus uh and all that instead of just universe mm-hmm. because i need I, I, it's something i'm familiar with yeah and I just need that that personableness. Yeah, and it's okay. I feel like so many people are afraid to say, mm-hmm. like it's offensive to say Jesus, you know, or God. It's like, oh, I believe in a higher power. If you just mm-hmm. have faith or like thoughts your way, and mm-hmm. everybody's so afraid of saying something offensive that we're mm-hmm. just generalizing everything, which is just like avoiding the reality of it. Like, yeah, it's okay to say that, you know. Yeah. And I think most people are more afraid of like the institutions of religion than mm-hmm. like God himself, you know? Like, yes. I mean, it depends on how you were raised to, to view God. If you were mm-hmm. raised where God is a God that you should be feared and who mm. will punish you if you do something wrong and, you know, that's not like a really accurate depiction of who God is. If, mm-hmm. you, if you're raised to believe that God is like a loving father who just really loves you and wants the best for you, mm-hmm. then it kind of changes how you view the whole thing. It's more of like, this is a this is a family than an institution. You know, and mm-hmm. some people get so turned off because the church does wacky things. Like mm-hmm. Christian churches do wacky things. Evangelical pastors mess up. Catholic priests mess up. Like mm-hmm. if you're looking for a person, mm-hmm. you're you're looking in the wrong place. Like if you're looking for people to show you who God is, you're looking in the wrong place. You need mm-hmm. to be looking like just a God for God. You know, in the New Testament it sums up the whole law of the Bible, which people mm-hmm. said there's so much crazy, ridiculous stuff in there, but like when they asked Jesus, like, what is the greatest commandment? He said, mm-hmm. love God, mm-hmm. you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. Mm-hmm. This encompasses all of the law, is what he says. Like, mm-hmm. those really, those two laws. Yeah. And that's not offensive. That's mm-hmm. a great thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love other people. Mm-hmm. And, and out of that, like, that's my, that's who I am. That's my faith, you know? Yeah. Like, that's not that's not so confusing, you know, to wrap your mind around. I think where, where people do get caught up in that is because um, the command is to love God. Yeah. Okay, well, how do I love God? And then there's a million people who will tell you how to love yeah. God. And they might get aspects of it right, but by and large, I think most people's experiences are with, um, well, hmm. I'll come back to that. Um, by and large, most people's experiences are with people who tell them, you love God by doing this yeah. and give them a list. But if you look at it like a relationship, like this is where yeah. I keep going back to. If God is your father. But then how do you love an invisible thing? Yeah. Well, just like how you your kids <laughs> love you. Like I don't uh-huh. want to, I don't want to love, I don't want my love for my kids to be conditional. Like mm-hmm. if you obey me and if you do your chores and if you do your homework mm-hmm. and if you don't give me a hard time at bedtime, then I'm going to love you. Mm-hmm. That's not love. Love mm-hmm. is like, I don't care if my kids are psychos all day long. Mm-hmm. I love them to death. I'm going to mm-hmm. love them no matter what. It's 
it's unconditional. Right. And I want their love for me to be, I don't want them to be afraid of me. It's yeah. just like God doesn't want us to be like afraid of him, like mm-hmm. consequences. Like I want them to, to know that I'm there no matter what, that mm-hmm. I'm going to love them no matter what. And I want them to love me and do these things out of love for me, not yeah. out of obligation. Cause that's mm-hmm. like a servant in a house yeah. that does things cause they have to, or there's going to be punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> I want them to, to do these things because they know how much I love them, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and they love me for that. And mm-hmm. so this is what they do, yeah. you know, like that is a real love. It's not an obligatory love. And mm-hmm. I think that's where people get so lost is they don't know how to love, like not out of obligation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but when you love like out of thankfulness, like if I'm thankful to mm-hmm. God, like, wow, you took a chance on me and I was screwed up, you know, like mm-hmm. I was really screwed up and I was like, I straight up turned my back on you and did mm-hmm. stupid crap forever. Mm-hmm. And and you waited for me and you were actually willing to give your life for someone like me that really did a bunch of st- stupid stuff, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And you not, I mean, to give your life for a good person is something, but to give your life for like a rotten, wicked person, like mm-hmm. nobody's going to go to death row and be like, I'm going to stand there and die for this guy because mm-hmm. he did all this crap, but I'm going to die for him. No one's going to do that, mm-hmm. but that's what he did. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, wow. Okay, I'm really thankful that you took that chance on me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and out of that showed me who I am and that I have worth and that I have purpose. So everything I do is not because I owe you, it's because mm-hmm. I love you. Like, yeah. that's awesome, you mm-hmm. know, to have that someone love you like that, you yeah. know? And a lot of people don't understand that God loves like that. He's, they think of him as like far away, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's put everything into motion and he's kind of like watching how we're doing and, you know, he might throw down the lightning bolt or the mm-hmm. thunderstorm every now and mm-hmm. then to punish and like everything in the Bible says he's so personal and he's like he wants to be with us and he never wants to be away from us like people just don't view him like that you know mm-hmm. well everything except when God opens the earth to swallow people yes that is true <laughs> there are a few moments like that not to contradict um, no but that's I feel like you know that's where people they, they look at the Old Testament and they say wow look at God did all this like stuff uh-huh. you know mm-hmm. and and they can't reconcile that with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, I like the teachings of Jesus, but mm-hmm. like this God of the Old Testament of the Jews, like he's crazy, mm-hmm. you know? But when you like, if you actually study the Bible and read the whole thing, you know, well, a lot of people just kind of jump around, you know, mm-hmm. and like pick and choose, like, mm-hmm. oh, I read this stuff and it was crazy in Leviticus. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that was like, and then they read the New Testament, like, no, this is okay. In Revelation, that's wacky. And they don't really like study it as a whole thing mm-hmm. and what it means. But like Old Testament God was, you know, God is righteous and he is just. And we love that about him because we know that like a rapist is not going to get away with it. Like even mm-hmm. if he gets away with that on this earth, he'll have consequences. And to mm-hmm. me that's there's a huge sense of like of relief in that to know that mm-hmm. you know all these things that people do to hurt other people, mm-hmm. they're not going to go unpunished, you know? Like they will get it eventually, however that turns out. You know, for mm-hmm. so for me that that was one of the first things about God that made sense to me because I thought, what about all the injustice in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, the people who don't get caught for doing these things. To know that he's just and he's going to make sure that that happens. So if we know that he's just God and um, his standard is perfection, right? Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, he gave them a trillion laws and they couldn't follow it at all. Mm-hmm. And the only way to make that right was through um, sacrifice, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there had to be shedding of blood to cover sins. So in the Old Testament, it's animal sacrifice. If people weren't doing it, they were still disobeying God. Like there was judgment and that's mm-hmm. what that judgment looked like and then God said you know what these people aren't they're, they can't obey the law no matter how much they try mm-hmm. you know they're flawed mm-hmm. which you know I understand so I'm going to provide a, a sacrifice that will cover all of that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that's where Jesus comes in and he he fulfills all the law he doesn't cancel it all he fulfills it all you know he says all of these things that you had to do in the past to escape judgment 
I'm fulfilling all of that. Like my sacrifice covers all of that now mm-hmm. so that you're you're free from that judgment. All of that judgment was put on me mm-hmm. at the cross and now you're good. If you just accept that gift of my sacrifice, then that's covered. Now mm-hmm. people say like, what? So you're free to do whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so you can just get away with murder now because, <laughs> oh, Jesus saved me, I'm good, you know, mm-hmm. forgive me. But that's not how it works. You yeah. know, like a, a, a true Christian would be like, because of that sacrifice, now I live my life out of thankfulness in a way that, that honors God mm-hmm. by, by loving others, not by going out and doing crazy stuff. And it's, it's all about going out and making um, your life better and other people's lives better. Being yeah. the good. Yeah. Being yeah. the good, being the light. It talks about yes. salt and light, you know, <laughs> like in a, in a crooked and depraved generation. And this was written like thousands of years ago, but yeah. like to shine, you know, mm-hmm. in a place mm-hmm. that's so dark, you know? Yeah. And I think everybody's looking for that, like that light, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope that I'm one of those people, you know, I hope that people see me and they're like, all right, this person, person's got something in her mm-hmm. that I want, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's not me at all. Like without mm-hmm. Jesus, I was a mess. I was mm-hmm. like everybody else. I was like, you know, there was times when I thought I wanted to kill myself and I was in abusive relationships and I was a shell of who I, who I made to be mm-hmm. because I wasn't allowing him, mm-hmm. you know, in my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's my goal is to just be light. <laughs> so how does this affect your acting aspirations? You know, it's kind of tricky. It really is. This is not really an industry that really like <laughs> just fully embraces people like me. Um, and I, I get challenged a lot, you yeah. know. Um, I get kind of pushed out of my comfort zone a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that you're like, ooh, I don't really want to do that, you yeah. know? Like, or you read a bit of something and you're like, oh, that's okay. And then you read the whole thing and you're like, no, mm-hmm. like, ugh, you mm-hmm. know? And then you've got kids that are watching everything they do. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mama, like, you gonna kiss that guy and that thing? Or are you yeah. gonna, you know, and you're like, you know, the, there's a swear word in this and you're like, how do I justify this with my kids? You know, mm-hmm. you want to be like, oh, it's just art and it's fake and blah, 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 but they're watching everything you do. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I haven't really had to deal with that on like a heavy level yet where I've really mm-hmm. had to make a decision. But, um, you know, you could, you're definitely not in the in the norm in mm-hmm. this group if you're in this in this <laughs> yeah. this Christian club. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you can still do it and you can still do it really well. Mm-hmm. You know, I love, that's why I love comedy. It's a great place to do that. You mm-hmm. know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of light in that and mm-hmm. um, and that's why I love it because like my joy gets to pour out on other people you know mm-hmm. um, and it's just being wise about you know who you surround yourself with mm-hmm. and, the, and the things you decide to take on or not take on you know mm-hmm. yeah. and if it doesn't click and if it doesn't jive or someone doesn't like you for whatever then that's okay and there's mm-hmm. other people that will and you know you can't take it personally it's just everybody has their preferences but I would hope that people would be more open minded now like mm-hmm. if they hear this and they're like okay you know like Christians really are not judging us you know mm-hmm. they're not like we're better than you or whatever like I can tell you like I'm screw up you know I'm mm-hmm. a huge human I just yeah. make mistakes all day long but I, I have grace and I give grace to everybody else so mm. like that's just something you don't see a lot in the world in this industry it's like it's okay it's all good and and we're good you know so mm-hmm. yeah it can it can definitely be tricky but it's doable why can you think of any roles you would not take yeah, I could think of a lot of roles I wouldn't <laughs> Yeah, for example, like, um, well, yeah, like, um, if, not even uh, a sex scene, but, like, if you're, like, playing a, a wife to someone else, like, and it called for kissing to show, you know, yeah. that relationship. Yeah, I actually had that happen. Um, mm. <laughs> I had that happen, and that was tough. I mean, my husband's super supportive, and mm. I think if I was, like, you know, I, I'm going to do this, and... 
I think he would be he would be behind me. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't bring myself to accept that. Mm. Just, I mean, it wasn't something huge, and it wasn't something I was like, oh, if I don't get this, it's do or die, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of let it like pass over and never mm-hmm. really pursued it. Yeah. I don't know. It's something I really gotta think about, you know. And mm-hmm. if it was just him and he approved, maybe. But you know, the kids are like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, for them, it's a big deal. So mm-hmm. again, so just stick with comedy. You don't even have a bunch of that weird stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like the swearing and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, violence or a lot of like angry stuff it's hard mm-hmm. for me in acting mm-hmm. class sometimes they'll give me that stuff just on purpose because they know it's hard for me you know mm-hmm. like you're gonna do this scene and you're gonna scream and yell and cry and you know mm-hmm. rob somebody and I'm like oh why it's not me <laughs> but that's the whole point of acting is to you mm-hmm. know get yourself out of your comfort zone but mm-hmm. there's a point where I'm like is this good for me mm-hmm. is this good for anybody else like yeah, yeah why am I doing it mm-hmm. I don't you know mm-hmm. there's like no purpose in it if it's not fulfilling for me and if it's mm-hmm. not fulfilling for people around me then you mm-hmm. know yeah, that's actually something I, I arrived at kind of early, which is why I have not really pursued acting is um, and not even necessarily from, well, just from the perspective of if I were married and then I was asked to do an intimate scene with another actress, uh, would not quite know how I can handle it. Yeah. You know, some people can. And that's great. You know, good for them. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, me, I, I, I don't know how that would work there's a lot of weird stuff that comes out of that too you see in Hollywood they're like oh they all started on the set and you're like oh we're just acting but really Mm -hmm. like if you're really in character you know like there's a part of you that that, that gets into that and like just throw in like a body double maybe even for like (laughs) but then the kids will still think it's you and Uh, you know I don't know yeah Um, but you know one example that uh, I have seen of a very very successful actor um, Tom Hanks you know he's he's been married uh, for um, a long time, I think, to, to Rita Wilson. Yeah. And um, I can't think of any films I've seen him in where he, ha- well, love scenes or even like really like yeah. um, intimate with, yeah. with, with a female lead. Yeah, I don't know. What was like when Harry met Sally? Did they do anything? I don't remember. Oh, that was, um, that was uh, Billy Crystal. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Wasn't he in something like that? Uh, you've got mail. Yeah. I mean, and Sleepless in yeah. Seattle. Yeah, yeah, Sleepless in Seattle. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know, yeah, it's uh, there are things you got to think about when yeah. you just got to decide like what's your level of mm-hmm. willing to, you know, you got to make boundaries for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And there's enough stuff out there that you don't have to, you know, mm-hmm. like or you can just do like me and be like, I'm just gonna write something on my own, mm-hmm. you know. And I think things can still be really funny mm-hmm. and not have cussing in them Mm -hmm. and not have sex stuff in them Mm -hmm. like it's tricky because those things are funny and they make people laugh you know Mm -hmm. but it's almost like extra challenging to Mm -hmm. make something that's funny Mm -hmm. that you can still watch with your kids Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. I want to make something funny like the mom petition that the moms can watch with their kids and they can all just crack up you Mm -hmm. know because Mm -hmm. that's rewarding I mean you know what I noticed if you look on Netflix or Amazon at like what's trending now when it comes across Mm -hmm. it's almost all like family maybe it's not mine because it knows what I watch <laughs> maybe, I, maybe it is but I still feel like every night every weekend parents are looking for things that they can watch with their kids sure. you know like mm-hmm. they, there's a few things that pop up they're like oh I'll watch that later in the bedroom with my wife or whatever and they're sleeping but when mm-hmm. you have family movie night you mm-hmm. don't want to have to be like oh Oh, yeah. oh, don't look. Like, uh, you know, like <laughs> whatever happened to entertaining things like Jumanji and stuff that you can just watch mm-hmm. that the kids love. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a huge market for that. There's families everywhere. Yeah. So, like, just do something you love, you know, mm-hmm. that fits that. You don't have to. You don't have to compromise who you are yeah. to be successful in this industry, I don't think. Yeah. I hope not. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Check with me in a couple of years. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're at... 
We're coming up on two hours. All right. Yeah. We did good. We did awesome. Yeah. yeah this has been a delight. Yeah. I, I like we... having like real conversations with people, like mm-hmm. deep stuff. You know, people don't yeah. like to talk about it. It's fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Cool. Well, uh, wrapping up here, um, is there any any piece of wisdom or advice you'd like to put out there? Just anything you want to say? I just go back to the beginning and say mm. we're all made on purpose for a purpose. Mm. And I hope you guys, you know, take some time to really contemplate and figure out what that is. And mm-hmm. you want to have some deep talks? I'm here, at least on <laughs> Facebook, and uh, I just challenge us all to like, you know, go deeper. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Cliff. And um, yeah, I'm trying to come up with a catchphrase. I think what I've landed on is just be true. Oh, that's good. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, you too. Be true. Right on. <laughs>